This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can, of course, bring up anything. That's the point of the program tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We bring you all the features there for free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their website. Head on over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy ours. It's uh, brand new as of 2010, redesigned to uh, the new web 2.0 world. Yeah. If you've been to free talk, if you were uh, went to free talk live 1.0, well, there's something new for you to experience over there. Uh, there's a lot new. Actually. Yeah, yeah. For free talk live 2.0, completely different, and it has news stories on it that you can vote up or vote down. Add your own news stories, and we draw from that website for show prep. So it's kind of like a an opportunity to vote on what we talk about on the show. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, you know, There's no guarantees. Like the top story is not guaranteed to get on the air, but. Being on that front page, having stories voted up to that front page, definitely increases their odds yes. of getting on. In fact, I think last night we picked two of our show prep stories from the front page of our website. I've got one sitting here in front of me. We'll get to it, but I promised we would get to this story, and we yeah. didn't. So, uh, Venezuelan president and madman Hugo Chavez won't spare a kind word for video games, calling them poison. Poison. And accusing them of being proxies for capitalist warmongering. <laughs> I mean, you thought it was bad enough when they accused uh, video games, uh, violent video games, of being dangerous. Now they're uh, proxies for capitalist warmongering, whatever that means. Well, I think I can kind of uh, see what he's saying. Um, I Many of the video games have a military theme to them. Um, right. They're almost all of them, a, a good percentage of them, I should say, are are fighting based. There's, of course, the the hugely popular uh, Guitar Hero and and racing dance, games, Dance Revolution. Yeah, yeah, racing games, all these things. There's right. a, a huge segment, huge segments. I probably shouldn't even yeah. say most puzzle games. A lot of uh, of video games are war fighting based. Some of the the very popular ones certainly are. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I can see how uh, somebody might uh, consider Call to Duty, which is I only have played one of them, um, Call of Duty, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I've not seen it. But. I've only played one of them, and it was a World War II one. Maybe they maybe they span the uh, the the wars. I'm not sure, but um, you know, modern warfare. There's there's all kinds of them out there. So um, I can see why he would, and, and and they're designed in the United States. They're designed so that you can generally be, you know, a United States hero guy, and and I can see why he would say that. Well, uh, according to the story, according to the AFP, and this from PCWorld.com, actually, the outspoken U.S. critic who once notoriously referred to George W. Bush as the devil used his weekly radio television show, Allo Presidente, to put a match to <laughs> Sony's PlayStation Games brand. He said, those games they call PlayStation are poison. Some games teach you to kill. They once put my face on a game. You've got to find Chavez to kill him. <laughs> PC World says, I'm not sure which game or user mod he's referring to, assuming there actually is one, because he sounds so informed when he says, those games they call PlayStation are poison. Yeah, yeah. The PlayStation's the system, although I guess technically you could call them PlayStation games. Just the way he sa- the way he says it makes it sound like my grandma sounded when she called, uh, you know, my, my NES cartridges cassettes. No, I they're not cassettes at all. But yeah, what can you expect? It's, it's no, not their world, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure cassettes have spindles in them that roll around with okay. magnetic tape uh, attached to them. Uh, whatever. 
Anyway, uh, you know, and, pandemics. And, you know, the the other thing is, is when he uses terminology, he uses trite terminology anyway. He says they're poison. He called George Bush the devil. I mean, <laughs> we can't come up with something better than poison and the devil. Uh, they, they, these are hackneyed expressions. You know, Pandemic's explosive open-world action game in which a power-hungry tyrant messes with Venezuela's oil supply, sparking an invasion that turns the country into a war zone? Pandemic denied the game was meant as a political statement, but the developer admitted wanting to have a rip from the headlines. Chavez went on in his address to link Western games to slick propaganda vehicles, implying that scenarios in which players bomb cities or just throw bombs exist to incite violence against countries like Venezuela so that capitalist countries can later sell weapons to the country's opponents. Games, said Chavez, promote the need for cigarettes, drugs, and alcohol, adding, that's capitalism, the road to hell. Because no one ever smoked a cigarette underneath the communist Russian regime. <laughs> or, 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 or drank. Or smoked cigarettes. I mean, if the introduction of video games could probably be linked, at least in the United States, to a decrease, if one wishes to, to correlate um, things that are not causative, one could, could link a decrease in smoking to an increase in video game consumption in the United States. Are you really? You think? Yes, absolutely. I well, think you're, you're thinking because people, people play more video games, they're smoking fewer cigarettes. No, no, I'm not saying it's causative. I'm only saying it's correlative. Correlative. Oh, okay. Since video games, home video game systems have begun <laughs> in the United States, the incidence of smoking have decreased. Right. I, it's a true statement, I suppose. Right. So, uh, so therefore, one can clearly <laughs> extrapolate from that dumb set of set of uncorrelated facts that video games. Don't cause smoke or cause people well, to quit smoking. No, well, what he's saying is they promote the need for cigarettes, drugs, and alcohol, and so therefore that must be capitalism. How do they capitalism. promote that need? Therefore, that must be capitalism. But how do they promote that need? I don't even understand. <laughs> presuming they do, presuming their characters have alcohol and cigarettes. I mean, you've got like uh, you know games like Grand Theft Auto. You can drink in those games, for instance, and surely there are characters that smoke cigarettes in some video games. But how he jumps from the fact that games might have these adult elements in them to saying that's capitalism, the road to hell, uh, one does not necessarily connect to the other. Just not even at all. People have been smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol for a long time, as long as those products have existed, regardless of what uh, political or economic system they're (laughs) underneath. Or whether video games have existed. Not all games are bad, says Chavez, however, who says... Because I love Tetris. <laughs> his con- <laughs> his con- he says his country ought to be making educational games and designing little indigenous <laughs> dolls to replace dolls like Barbie that have nothing to do with our culture. It's apparently not the first time Chavez has laid into the games industry. AFP reports that Chavez once slammed Nintendo for promoting selfishness, individualism, and violence. Selfishness means not paying enough money to the government in taxes. Last October, Venezuela said a law making the import and sale, or excuse me, passed a law making the import and sale of toy weapons and violent video games illegal. I didn't even know that. I, that's the first I'd heard of that. Punishable by three to five years in jail. So if you import the, the next edition of Aliens vs. Predator or Wolfenstein or Call of Duty 7 or whatever it is that's you know coming out uh, and you get caught in Venezuela... Three to five years. In fact, remember, this is the same guy that last week, when he was talking about how he was going to essentially decline his currency's uh, trading value against the dollar by something like 50% on certain categories of products, 
he said he was going to seize different uh, any store out there that uh, that actually raised prices in order to compensate for the well the fact that they would lose money otherwise I guess <laughs> and indeed there was a story in the news just this week about he's how he's going to seize an entire chain of stores down there I forget what the uh, the chain was called but apparently it was owned by a French company and he's talking about nationalizing this uh, this store chain it's like you Ludicrous. thought you owned your stores until old Hugo wants them. <laughs> You know, this is this is a government run wild. This is a uh, you know, this is a nation of one man essentially doing what he wants to do. And, I, you know, he's he's somewhat popular. He knows how to how to get the, the people on his side. But he's as popular as Barack Obama. I mean, right oh, I don't there. think he's I don't think Barack Obama's as popular as this guy. No, he's a little more popular. I don't think Barack I don't Obama. think Barack Obama could win an election today. I don't know. It depends. It depends on who is running against him, and you know how campaigns go. Things always change. But he's he's, he's not a particularly pro- popular guy. A word from the story is that law that bans video game importing is going into effect at the end of January. So it's about ready to uh, to get started over there. Yeah. Notice the uh, confiscation of those stores. <clears throat> Since it was a French chain, it's politically viable. If it had been a Venezuelan chain that had decided to raise their prices, I think that things less might have been yeah might have been you know not as cool. According to PC, uh, PCWorld.com, pro tip for President Chavez, if you don't want the U.S. electorate to ignorantly generalize about you or your country based on punditry and propaganda, then get this much straight. Don't do it to them. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Just ruling with complete arbitrary uh, nonsense. Yeah. You know, on this show, we've been accused more than one time of being America haters because we talk about how, you know, capricious, arbitrary, intrusive, and uh, and at at times evil the government is in this nation. And I hope that people take a note. We're talking about the government of another nation and how capricious, arbitrary, invasive, and evil it is. I think we're pretty equal opportunity toward uh, disliking uh, coercive government on this program. Yeah, but I think we talk about American government. Sure. Well, we do live here. We're coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system there. You'll find everything from intellectual to asinine posts over at bbs.freetalklive.com. It's all free for you, bbs.freetalklive.com. And you can learn about public policy by interning at a state or federal policy organization. The Charles G. Koch Summer Fellow Program includes an opening week-long policy seminar, an eight-week paid summer internship, a closing seminar, and weekly policy lectures. Choose from 70 organizations in Washington, D.C. and state policy network think tanks across the United States. Be part of a fellowship of motivated, talented individuals seeking to advance liberty. Program includes a stipend and housing allowance. Apply by January 31st. Time is running out for that one. Do I have to get out the uh, dictionary.com pronunciation thing where we did I, through did I mess stipend, it up again? It's stipend, stipend, stipend again. 
Sorry, Spiking. it's hard to remember that stuff. I know, yeah. Libertarianinternships.com. <laughs> Appreciate you. the correction. All right, so the other story that I uh, wanted to get to, before we get to some of the, the news that, well, <laughs> involves the FBI, the, the, the news we're going to get to is, uh, is pretty serious about what happened with the FBI, uh, I guess, recently. But first, another story I promised last night. The milk debate is continuing. Or the apple cider slash milk debate. A while back, we brought you a story from one of the the local papers, actually, around here from where we do this uh, this radio program in, uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. And it was one of those cutesy stories that was just all about how some kids are... Yeah, they've just decided they want to change the laws of New Hampshire. Well, they're, they're, usually their they, teachers get them whipped up about yeah. it. Yeah. In right, some way. Right, right. Hey, wouldn't you like to participate in the legislative process? It's open to everybody, even cute kids like you. Exactly. That's uh, that's what happened. And so they decided they got it in their heads that they wanted to create a, a law that would announce that New Hampshire has a state drink. And they wanted that drink to be apple cider. And we talked about that uh, story on this program. And there's now a follow-up, except this one comes from a different newspaper, the Concord Monitor. Text. You know, some states have uh, state reptiles. I'm wondering, even though I don't think there's any, I, I don't think this to be true. Somebody will, will tell me otherwise. But I don't think there are any uh, state, any reptiles actually in the state of New Hampshire. No lizards up here? Uh, they have newts, uh, but that's not a reptile. It's an amphibian. Huh. Um, so I wonder why it is in New Hampshire just doesn't pick a state reptile. Just pick a state reptile anyway. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a good one out there. Tax increases, gun rights, gay marriage, some issues naturally draw differing opinions. Thanks to one wide-eyed nine-year-old, New Hampshire can add a debate over its state drink to the list. Because this is just what people do, kids. People people fight with one another in the legislature over who's right and who's wrong, and whoever wins gets to force their way on everyone else. <laughs> on a field trip to the State House in November, Jeremy Lachance, a fourth grader at Guilford Elementary School, was shocked to find out that a bill was set to come before the House that proposed apple cider as the state drink. He said, I don't like apple cider. That's for one thing. Then he found out how the bill had been crafted. A group of third graders at Jaffrey Grade School had proposed the idea to State Representative Bonnie Mitchell, who plans to introduce the bill when the legislature reconvenes, which actually happened a couple weeks ago. Jeremy, seated with two friends inside his Intervale Road living room last week, said he thought the state's drink should be something that was part of his regular diet. We thought, it should be apple cider. It should be, it shouldn't be apple cider. It should be milk, said his cohort, Cole Winkleman. Every day for school lunches, we have milk. And so Jeremy went about writing letters to seven state representatives in his district. Make sure it's pasteurized and homogenized milk, Jeremy, because that's what you get at school. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, maybe you should write your representatives, Mark, and right. tell them you want it to be uh, raw milk. Yeah, that's what I want it to be. Uh, 176 <laughs> dairy farmers across the street. They wrote seven state representatives uh, in his district and 176 farmers across the state seeking their support in his quest. A week later, the phone rang with State Representative Peter Bolster on the other end. I just called to talk to him about his concern and told him what the procedure would be and what he would need to do. By the time he wrote, there was no time to actually submit another bill, but he, like anyone else in the state, could go and testify. Jeremy also received a letter from uh, State Representative Jeffrey St. Sir and checked from a da- and a check from a dairy farmer for $25 to start his campaign. Nice. 
<laughs> the New Hampshire dairy you know, farmers. I'm voting for milk in this one. I, I must say, I've got a side. <laughs> I, want, I, I want milk to win. I'm voting for, please let me stop paying these taxes <laughs> to support these awful government schools that are essentially teaching kids that this is what uh, the I mean, the, the, it, this is to me, this is very dangerous because it's teaching kids that government is what you do when you want to voice your views on everyone else. And that is true about government. That's what government is. But it's acclimating them to that. It's this mentality of, all right, kids, here's your assignment. Let's all write a law that we want to create. Because that's how society is run. We just come up with ideas and then foist them on every, other, everyone else. <laughs> we come up with a drink we like and we make everybody drink it because that'll be good for them. Excited by the responses they received, Jeremy and Cole plan to go to the state house next month to speak on behalf of milk at a hearing for the apple cider bill. His teacher, Pam Hayes, says she hopes to make a petition available this week for all Guilford Elementary students to sign. Jeremy, Cole, and others are making signs to hold up outside. While Jeremy's campaign may be more educational than effective, laying claim to state drink is no trivial matter to local farmers. You know, I I think this is interesting that uh, you know the the, the rep kind of uh, you know spends some time with him. You know, the rep calls him and mm-hmm. talks to him about uh, gives him the procedure and stuff like that. Do you think it would work quite the same way if you were just sort of a voting age constituent instead of a ten a cute little ten year old that's trying to get involved? <laughs> like they'd in, handhold you through the process. Right, sure, I bet you can get a lot more help if with as a, a ten year old yeah, as a ten year old than you can as a, an adult. Um, Bet you're right about that. It's a shame he's not advocating for uh, medical marijuana or marijuana decrim <laughs> or something like I that. I don't know what they'd do with that. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, well, I'd like to point out that Martin Luther King did use children in his civil disobedience a great deal of time. Chuck Souther, owner of Apple Hill Farm, says, We've certainly had some spirited discussion within the ag- agricultural community. Obviously, have a vested interest in this and think it should be apple cider. The people are taking sides. They're digging in here. This is becoming an issue because when the state, for whatever reason, if it goes through with this, when the state government uh, decides to pick a, a, a drink and nominate it to state drink status, for whatever reason, these guys think it's going to benefit their business. Maybe it's because it'll get press and people will see apple it cider. It is getting press. Right. It is getting press, but maybe it'll get more press if it passes and people will see the terms apple cider or milk and then they'll hope that'll make it so people will buy. I mean, it seems awfully disconnected. It's not the best form of marketing. It's not the best form of branding. I mean, I guess it's good in general if you buy apple cider for the apple cider dealers, but they're not necessarily promoting one brand of apple cider over the it seems a little silly for people to really uh, get so involved in all of this. But that's what people do, I guess. He said the fact that 18 other states already have milk as their state drink could be seen as an argument against making it a symbol of New Hampshire. <laughs> he said New Hampshire always prides itself on being by itself. He said as though a state could actually, uh, an inanimate lab mass could actually have pride. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. I mean, this it's stuff like this, this subtle indoctrination of the youth into the governmental system that is the number one reason why I don't think kids should be going to these government schools. I don't want to pay for these government schools. Now look forward to the day when I can get together with other people that agree with me. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Morsels. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. 
A balanced diet is important, but so is the occasional treat. Working with your kids to bake a dessert from scratch helps them to appreciate it even more, and it keeps them from resenting having to eat their veggies every other day. Plus, baking is a perfect excuse to spend time with your kids, since just being together is a treat. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got our chat room. Head over to chat.freetalklive.com. You can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. Best time to find them is, of course, during the live show hours or shortly thereafter at chat.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for a free daily dispatch. Toll-free number here again, 800-259-9231. So the milk-slash-cider battle is uh, getting hot and heavy here uh, in New Hampshire as some fourth-graders and third-graders are going to clash at the state house over who's right, whose milk, whose drink, who's gonna, whose drink is going to be the state drink. This is so important, kids. This is how the system works. There's a little bit more to this story here from the Concord Monitor. Uh, one of the milk producers is saying that it's been a tough year. In fact, sales are the lowest he's seen in 15 years, so a potential boost from a state drink designation couldn't come at a better time for the state's dairy industry. Local uh, dairy farmer says he's totally right. Milk is far more nutritious than apple cider. Both uh, both of the farmers said they supported the young man, uh, young man but could see both sides of the argument. Are we looking for something that would be unique for New Hampshire, or what would be the most nutritious? Bolster said he called Mitchell in hopes of working some language about milk into the bill. <laughs> he said, we're, we're talking about the fact this is a good experience for kids to understand the give and take, and even the simplest of bills. Actually, it's, it's just more like take. <laughs> take. Take, take. Well, I think that he's talking about uh, the, the, the political process, yeah, which, which is um, you give me a vote on this issue and I'll right. give you a vote and you can take my vote on this issue, which means that we'll both get arduous, capricious, disgusting and expensive laws passed. It'll be awesome. One side may win. One side may lose. The young man said he understood it isn't all about the outcome. Even if we lose the debate, we've still learned a lot. <laughs> Jeremy says he looks forward to meeting the apple cider supporters from Jaffrey and had a simple message for his opponents. Can't wait to compete with you, God. he said. Yeah. I mean, is anybody else as disturbed by this as I am? Am I overreacting to this? Or is this really indeed the insidious nature? And it's all so innocent. Uh, the insidious nature of the government indoctrination system. But it, it's all done innocently. It's not like the teachers 
realize this is an awful system and are evilly indoctrinating these kids. They fully believe in it. They fully believe that, you know, this is the best system in the world, kids, and this is how it's done. And so they fully believe in it and they transfer their I think full it was beliefs. once the best, best system in the world. I, I don't I think that it's grown beyond being the best system in the world now. They transfer their, their belief in this system and their love for this system to these young children. And it's it's no wonder that after 13 years of this indoctrination that kids walk out of these government indoctrination camps as essentially mindless automaton zombies whose job it is to uh, you know pick a side on an issue and go to work and shut the F up if their side loses. It's, it's just sad to me. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Frank in Ohio. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, fellas. Hey, Hey, uh, just remember, an apple a day will keep the LCIA away. Was that a joke? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right, so what else? uh, I wonder, is there a place where I can uh, get in on the stock trade? Are they going to put this on the New York? What are you talking about? Uh, The opium uh, product in Afghanistan that we're guarding. Are, are they going to get Ollie North to do uh, – Atreus going to give us uh, an Ollie North deal trading that opium for guns? Or are they going to put that on the market on NASDAQ? Or what are they going to do with all that heroin? Should I call the Pentagon for a, a 1-800-HOTLINE, heroin hotline? I'm pretty sure they've got it under control in that uh, the heroin's going to be brought back here to the United States and elsewhere around the world, be sold off to uh, various drug addicts. Uh, around the country, and uh, yeah, essentially that's what happens to it. Are, are the pharmaceutical? Is there a pharmaceutical company going to procure most of that, or are they going to split it up and send half to China and half to America, or what? Because I want to get in on the stock. You want to get on the action? You bet. Yeah, I don't know if capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to wait until heroin's legalized in order to uh, in order to do that. But oh, what was I looking? There is a legal version of meth. You can no, I... actually buy a legal version of meth, and there's a company, I wish I could remember what it's called, I believe it starts with an L, uh, that is, if you if you go and you search Wikipedia for methamphetamine, you can find the name of the uh, the actual pharmaceutical version Lithium? of meth, and you could purchase uh, stock in that company, I bet, unless it's privately owned. Oh, I wouldn't touch meth with a 10-foot pole. But, but you would heroin? Well, I wanted to get some comedy on your show. There no, I got gotcha. you. So, so, yeah. so, I mean, heroin's a good product to invest in. I mean, people are hooked on that stuff. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want uh, I didn't want the Congress members, uh, you know, the North Pole. Uh, what's Mr. Madoff that that's doing time? They nicknamed his place the North Pole, and I didn't want the Congress members to get in all uh, and uh, Geigner and and the. World International Banks to get on all the actions. So Very good, want- Frank. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. The drug name is Desoxin. Drug name for the actual brand name for methamphetamine. It's the same stuff, believe it or not. Hmm. You can actually purchase methamphetamine, according to Wikipedia. Don't they smoke meth, crank? Yep, yep. Known by the brand name of Desoxin. Is a psychostimulant drug intended for medical usage in the treatment of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, narcolepsy, and for short-term treatment of exogenous obesity. Did you know that methamphetamine, this evil drug, uh, is actually something that can be used to help people? Huh. How about that? So this company, uh, I think it's Lumbar or something like that. Uh, 
the the old company was named Ovation, and then they were purchased by Lundbeck. That's what it is. So so if you actually do want to invest in uh, in methamphetamine, look into Lundbeck Incorporated. They're the <laughs> they're the one company that has permission, from my understanding. I don't believe there's um, I don't think there are generic versions of methamphetamine on the marketplace, but uh, they're the one company that has the the ability to legally manufacture, sell, and distribute methamphetamine in this country. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, whenever you hear the the scary stories about the war on drugs and that, oh, God, these people are making meth in their back uh, sheds and they're blowing things up and kids are dying and fumes. It's all true, right? I mean, it's 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 an incredibly nasty process that they uh, that they go through in order to make this uh, product that is sold on the black market. And it is dangerous and it's volatile and things can explode. And there are some really bad fumes. But yet they don't have those problems at Lundbeck. Lundbeck, uh, the the lab. I was looking at some of the pictures from their lab on the the website they have there, and you know they got clean room conditions, and the you know the the glass where you put your hands through, and the gloves are in there, and you can do things with them. They got all the whole deal. It's like a a real laboratory manufacturing environment. How about that? Yeah. So whenever somebody says that, whenever you uh, t- talk to somebody about legalizing drugs or decriminalizing drugs, and they bring up the, well, what do you want? Kids dying in their parents' meth labs? Well, nobody will be making meth in their back uh, shed anymore because companies like Lundbeck would be able to compete in the marketplace to manufacture, sell, and distribute methamphetamine. It'll all be made, you know, 99% of it with the exception of whatever moonshine meth might still be made out there. I mean, people still do make moonshine and it's just not very popular. Right. It's just most it's people rare, can just it's, go and buy beer. Or, or liquor. Or liquor, right. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what uh, – I ha- have bought um, cheap vodka in the past, and I it's like $10 for 1.75 yeah. liters, which, by the way, is the same price it was back in 1980-something. So hmm. it kind of lets you know how uh, over time uh, the production the process – gone down. Get, yeah, production processes get better. But I can only assume whiskey's about the same thing and – yeah, 10 bucks for almost, you know, 1.75 liters. Why would you bother making your own? More coming up here. You can take control of the airwaves uh, toll-free at 800-259-9231. Looks like the FBI done broke the law. What's going to happen to them for it? We'll find out in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, go to promote.freetalklive.com. Get a whole list of things you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Uh, Go to promote. FreeTalkLive.com. All right, so here is uh, some of the news of the day. Story is from the Washington Post. The FBI has illegally collected more than 2,000 U.S. telephone call records between 2002 and 2006 by invoking terrorism emergencies that didn't exist or simply persuading phone companies to provide records. Gee, how do you think they go about persuading the phone companies to uh, provide records? They send a letter? Yeah. We're the FBI. Give us this, the, these records. I don't think they use the term please, do you? 
They may have the first yeah. time. It doesn't really matter because they, you know when that stamp comes um, at the top of the letter, they don't mean please. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's no – they might say please, but they don't mean it. Uh, you know, <laughs> when they send you your first tax bill, they may be cordial about it, but you know that it's a deeply um, ingrained threat in there. It's, it's right in there. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, speaking of threats, I saw the preview version of Sam's new video from ObscuredTruth.com, and I believe he actually has released it, uh, the official version at this point. But the – yeah, they, oh, it's just a preview. Okay, so the uh, the full version has not yet come out. But, man, they <laughs> they use all the – the persuasive phrases in very non-persuasive manners. You know, I'm going to have to ask you to do such and such or uh, move over here, please. And they're they're saying, uh, I'm going to ask you and this and that. And they're using these persuasive terms, but they've got guns on their hips. Mm. And, and they don't they don't really even say it in a persuasive no, tone. No, they order. And then Sam asks the question, well, are you is that an order or, you know, are you are you asking? Are you asking or are you ordering? Well, I'm ordering. So first it's persuading, then it becomes an order, then you get arrested if you don't do it. Yeah. Anyway, back to the story here about the FBI. According to internal bureau memos and interviews, FBI, official, uh, FBI officials issued approvals after the fact to justify their actions. Emails obtained by the Washington Post detail how counterterrorism officials inside FBI headquarters didn't follow their own procedures that were put in place to protect civil liberties. The stream of urgent requests for phone records also overwhelmed the Are you FBI. Telling me, you, you're telling me that the the FBI didn't put uh, you know stop gaps in to prevent abuses of civil liberties? Well, apparently they had stop gaps, but they didn't follow them. So they just <laughs> it's because that's right not their concern. They're FBI agents. They're not civil liberty protecting agents. The stream of urgent requests for phone records also overwhelmed the FBI communications analysts unit with work that was ultimately not connected to imminent threats. So they were going out looking for phone records for some reason, collecting more than 2,000 phone records by invoking terrorism emergencies that didn't exist. When they got the records back, there were so many uh, responses from the various different phone companies, the FBI couldn't handle it all. A Justice Department Inspector General's report is due out this month, expected to include, or conclude rather, that the FBI frequently violated the law with its emergency requests. The records seen don't identify the people whose phone call records were gathered, but they said they thought that nearly all of the requests involved terrorism investigations. So, um, now, since we predicted this on Free Talk Live many years ago, do we get some kind of award from the government? What did we, pre- what did we predict? We said that, this, that there were going to be abuses just like this. I mean, come on. We, <laughs> who couldn't predict this? No, I don't think we'll be getting anything. No, I don't think the government's going to give us anything. But, but I mean, what will they do to the FBI agents who have admittedly here? I mean, the FBI is actually, we're going to hear from their general counsel in a moment. They're admitting that they broke the law. And this is a this is a nation of laws. you got to make sure to follow the law. The government's out there to protect us, and uh, they got laws, and they're going to follow those laws. It's very important because if the government don't follow the laws, then other people might not follow the laws. they got to set a good example for folks, right? It's a nation of laws. General Counsel Valley Caproni said in an interview, the tech, FBI technically, 
it's they technically violated the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. <laughs> you know, technically, do they, do they call it technically when, when you break the law? No. no, they'll take the law, they'll stretch it out of shape in order to lasso you with it. They'll do whatever it takes to come and get you um, if it's if they're coming after you. Yeah. But here in this case, technically, which means clearly they did yeah. it. Like that's how the law was written, and they broke it. When agents invoked non-existent emergencies in order to collect the records, we should have stopped those requests from being made that way, she said. The after-the-fact approvals were, were good-hearted, but not well thought out, uh, that not a well-thought-out solution to put phone carriers at ease, she said. In true emergencies, agents always had the legal right to get phone records, and lawyers have now concluded there was no need for the after-the-fact approval process. What this turned out to be was a self-inflicted wound, she said. Documents show that the senior FBI managers up to the assistant director level approved the procedures for emergency requests of phone records and that headquarters officials often made the requests, which persisted for two years after bureau lawyers raised concerns and the FBI official began pressing for changes. So let, let me just recap that real quick here. They went all the way up to the assistant level or the assistant director level in approving these procedures for these emergency requests that the headquarters officials made the requests and they continued to do so two years after their lawyer said, hey, uh, guys, we're breaking the law here. It's clearly not high in their list. No. These the highest law enforcement agents in the land, um, you know, the big bad FBI here doesn't mind if its own agents break the law. We have to make sure we're not taking advantage of this system, that we're following the letter of the law without jeopardizing national security, said a lawyer for the FBI in 2005. (laughs) Early emails asking superiors to address the problem. What's this lawyer so concerned for? Huh? It's not like he's uh, he's liable here. Right. Why Why would he be concerned? It's clear that if you're the FBI, you can break the law and no one's going to do anything about it. The FBI acknowledged in 2007 that one unit in the agency had improperly gathered some phone records. In fact, I think we talked about this at the time. Justice Department audit cited 22 inappropriate requests to phone companies for searches and hundreds of questionable requests. But the latest revelations show the improper requests were much more numerous under the procedures approved by the top level of the FBI. FBI officials told the Post that their own reviews found about half of the 4,400 toll records collected in emergency situations or with after-the-fact approvals were done in technical violation of the law. There it is again. The searches involved only records of calls and not the content of the call. So don't worry, folks. It's all right. You're still safe. They didn't actually have your name or phone number. They weren't actually listening to your calls. So it no, was they, just that they, they couldn't possibly. And that's another thing right. that we said when this all came out. How can they possibly do this? But don't you worry, though, folks. It's all right. They're just technically violating the law that allows them to uh, use the uh, site emergency circumstances and gather the records. They're just they're not actually listening. They're not actually uh, looking at names. So therefore, you guys should not be concerned about this. American, go back to sleep, America. It's no problem. This is just a technical violation. Uh, it's not. In, it's not. Uh, this isn't an indicator that uh, there's corruption systemic uh, throughout the government system. This isn't an indicator or of anything like that it's just a little it's a little snafu it's a it's a little oopsie just you know a few thousand oopsies that's all yeah. no big deal here you know as if they're as they're getting used to new systems there and 
the changeover and stuff like that. They have a, a apparently a gigantic grace period, years and years of a grace period in order to figure out how to use the new system, which kind of has, you know, it makes a little bit of sense. But do you get that grace period? Does Would the FBI, mm-hmm. if you broke a new law that was in place... And, and I'll bet you this law, by the way, has no punishment for the breaking of it when federal agents break that law. Um, and I'm sure that if they have one for the general citizenry, it will. But yeah. if, if you break a law that's kind of new and um, you, you're, just, you're just getting used to the system, do you think they're going to let you slide by, you know, it's a technical violation, but uh, no big deal? Don't you worry, Mark. FBI officials have said they're confident that the safeguards enacted in 2007 have ended the problems. <laughs> Caproni, the lawyer, said the Bureau will use the Inspector Genital's findings to determine whether discipline is warranted. There you have it. Okay, there, there you have it. They'll use the findings to determine whether the dis, uh, discipline is warranted. Now, to me, the word discipline is reveals exactly what we're dealing with here. Because if this were the law that you and I have to follow, and... They would, t- they would have you believe, well, the law is the law, right? Uh, well, if this were the same kind of law, then they would be determining whether charges were filed. You and I would get hit with charges taken to court. We'd have to hire lawyers to, you know, presumably, or defend ourselves. Right. We would go to court on charges. We would not be disciplined. Right. Discipline the is FBI an internal agents, thing. Right. The FBI, well, uh, and the FBI agents will have their union reps, which, uh, you know, it's all part of the job. They will represent them that to, at essentially no cost to themselves. And, and of course, the union, uh, the cost of the union will go into the wages, which we, the taxpayer, pays. That's presuming they actually want to discipline these guys, and they're still just deciding on that. Yeah. More coming up here. Hour two is on the way. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live, launching in here to the second hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. So enjoy those on us. Nick joining us here uh, for the second hour and the third hour of the program. So Nick uh, from Free Minds TV and Free Minds Radio. Uh, you were telling me during the break that the Free Minds TV radio website at freemindsmedia.com is back online and it is back pretty much almost up to speed. So. It's almost up to speed. It's It's got functionality back to it and the blogs should be 
back up shortly. Excellent. Glad to hear about that. So head over to freemindsmedia.com to get more Nick and uh, Toby. Great liberty-oriented audio and video content available once a week for each uh, the TV and radio side. And it's free for you at freemindsmedia.com. All right, well, let's take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. Otherwise, we'll continue here. Uh, there's there's a story, I think, is, is it Boston, Mark, that they're, they're looking at cell phones now, using cell phones and the dangers of using cell phones, not in a car, because they're already passing laws about that across the country, but now it's while you're walking. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is from Boston, Boston.com, but it's um, originally in the New York Times, uh, written by Michael Richel, and uh, we got and I got it from FreeTalkLive.com. We have that uh, you know our ranking system there where you have the stories, and um, it, it it was one of the newer ones working its way up the ranks, and I thought that it was interesting because I, I, I let me read it a little bit and then I'll I'll tell you what I think about it. Okay, sure. San Francisco. On the day of the collision last December, visibility was good. The sidewalk was not under repair. As she walked, Tiffany Briggs, 25, was talking to her grandmother on her cell phone. Lost in conversation. Very lost. I ran into a truck. It was parked in a driveway. Distracted driving has gained much attention lately because of the inflated crash risk posed by drivers using cell phones to talk and text. But there's... Another growing problem caused by lower-stakes multitasking, distracted walking, which combines pedest- a pedestrian, an electronic device, and an unseen crack in the sidewalk, the pole of a stop sign, a toy left in the living room floor, or a parked or sometimes moving car. The era of the mobile gadget is making mobility that much more perilous, particularly <laughs> on the crowded streets and in downtown areas where multiple multitaskers veer yeah. and swerve and walk to the beat of Ludicrous. their own devices. So, uh, you so know, it's I, not just so. So this isn't just cell phones. This is uh, iPods. This is any texting, any device. Yeah, anything. Uh, well, you know, I, what about uh, cigarettes? I mean, that's kind of distracting too. How about just thinking? I've noticed that sometimes when I'm walking, uh, especially if it's if it's the winter time up here in New Hampshire, it can get a little icy out. And if you're not paying attention to your feet walking in front of you in those conditions, it could be quite hazardous. And you don't, I, I don't, it hurts you don't need you anything. Fall too. I mean, yeah. if you slip and fall on ice, you're going to notice. Yeah. For, for me, not I good. can be. Uh, I have to avoid being distracted by the beautiful scenery and focus on where I'm walking. So it can just be as much as looking around that uh, would would provide enough of a distraction to do such a thing. Yeah, they've got a list of uh, examples of uh, such visits uh, to the emergency room can include a 13-year-old boy who walked into a telephone pole while texting and suffered a concussion, a 28-year-old man who tripped and fractured a finger on the, the hand gripping um w- w- uh, finger on the hand gripping his cell phone, a 68-year-old man who fell off the porch while talking on a cell phone, spraining a thumb and an ankle and causing dizziness. Younger people can injure themselves more often. Um, the visits to the Troy uh, visits Troyer studied were this is the guy who's studying these um, were people under 30 and a quarter were 16 to 20 year olds, but more than uh, a quarter of those injured were 41 to 60 year olds. So they're listing off the dangers of talking on these devices, and I just wonder. Is is this article from the New York Times to warn us that you can be sometimes distracted while using a device? Because I suppose that's very nice mm. and everything, but I think Who I've got it down at that? this point. Who doesn't know that? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. 
Right. I don't know. So are you suggesting that this article might be to put the idea in their heads that something should be done? Well, it's I think that. What I think it is, and and call it conspiracy-mindedness, is the further vilification of people that would take the risk of using an electronic device while operating something as dangerous as a motor vehicle. Because the distracted driving – well, the distracted driving is already illegal, but the texting while driving laws have not been getting as much traction as those who want to push them want. So they're hard to enforce. Absolutely. So they want to. Uh, there's there's other ways to go about this. You paint you paint the people using these devices as complete and utter incompetent morons. And admittedly, they, they don't drive as well. Um, but you know these. I think that this is just sort of it's it's sort of propaganda. You know. Mm. I don't know, Nick. What do you think about all this? It it might be propaganda. I. I think you might be onto something, Mark. It's just to show how distracting, supposedly, using a mobile device or texting can be. I suppose it is fairly distracting, but so is trying to read something while you walk, which I think most people have done when they open a piece of mail at their mailbox and walk back to their house. I mean, that's fairly distracting. Should you not be able to read anything while you're in motion? I I don't imagine that there's anything they could or would do about somebody distracted walking. I think that what they're more I would seem to me what they're what they're more trying to do is to show how just how dangerous being distracted is. And so they're trying to further vilify distracted driving in order to run up their coffers for people that aren't doing what they want them to do uh, and and giving more excuses to pull people over. My uncle told me the story about he got how he got pulled over in California. And this would be uh, he told me the story in 98. So it could have been in the 90s for eating a hamburger while driving. Wow. Now, this is a relatively common occurrence. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I've got to say, I do this and don't feel bad about it in the least. It can uh, be somewhat distracting for me. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I do it, but eating Right, especially if a tomato falls out in your lap. Well, I, mean, I, I, I take the pickles off of my hamburgers when I buy them. Really? The just because of that? Well, I just don't like the pickles. Oh, okay. So that's, <laughs> it makes it difficult because I have to try to operate the motor vehicle and take the top you're on removing, off, you're, put you're, it somewhere, right. remove the pickles. You're doing an operation on. on the sandwich while you're driving. Yes. Gotcha. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. I don't know, Mark. It's a weird story. I mean, it's just very strange. Yeah. It seems like a story about the obvious. I mean, maybe it's just an indicator of how disconnected newspapers can be because this is from a newspaper boston.com is the boston uh, i don't know whatever the hell it is boston the globe, the globe. yeah it's know. the globe uh so maybe it's just a, it's just pointing out how irrelevant uh, newspapers are and that they're just really desperate to try to find something more that, bad news we found bad news and yeah. people walking with cell phones in their hands people get i mean people walk into things and hurt themselves all the time without when they're, when they're not on these devices yeah. i mean there are a great many things that can distract you whether you're driving or walking I think that driving while you're very, very tired is, depending on oh, how tired so you are, is more dangerous than driving when you're marginally intoxicated. I would absolutely agree with you. As somebody who has done that, and I, I regret it, obviously, and, and at this point, but when I was in college, I was working like three jobs and going to school all at the same time. And, man, when I was having to get up in the morning to go to the, the classes, I remember winking off a, a little bit as I was... Uh, as I was driving to school, just yeah. like dr- blinking out for just a, a fraction of a, of a moment. It happens. And that's that really scared me. Mm. Yeah, well, and, and it should. That's <laughs> yeah. good. It's good that it scared you. I, yeah. You know, I can't say I can't say how many times it happened to me. 
I used to, you know, I grew up living 20-something minutes outside of town, and that can always be rough driving home. It's kind of a statement on how time-stretched we all are. Many people in this society are. I mean, the the average person probably working uh, family, certainly working more than one job uh, in order to support their family. A lot of people are, especially if they're going to school or whatever, they're working multiple jobs and that you're going to stretch yourself out and get all strung out and, and increase the likelihood that something traumatic and awful will happen like that like a like a car wreck because you're just you you haven't slept enough you know well at least uh, distracted driving provides more organs for the organ banks toll-free numbers 800-259-9231 you can take control of the airwaves bring up whatever's on your mind uh we can go to the tsa again here because there's there's a story that i've been waiting to uh, to get out about some of the latest bungling that uh, that has gone on over there, since the TSA is kind of a hot uh, hot issue these days. Of course, you can take control of the airwaves. Bring out whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the website. Features on the site are completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And by the way, those features include our Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan over at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's free, too. Facebook.freetalklive.com. And HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You can create your very own website with their free website builder tools and templates. Use code FTL, as in Free Talk Live. And uh, sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. That's if you use the code FTL, you get the first month free at HostGator.com. All right. So uh, we'll continue here. You dial in. Bring up anything at 800-259-9231. A little bit of news from the TSA. Becky Akers over at LewRockwell.com reporting. And she is just uh, the go-to girl on the Internet for all manner of TSA critique Have you ever seen a bureaucracy beg more tirelessly for abolition than the Transportation Security Administration? For a month now, its spectacular ineptitude has hogged headlines, from the agency's posting of its classified nonsense on the Internet to its welcoming the underwear bomber aboard his plane. You might think the latter especially would result in something a bit less tepid than the usual calls for reform. After all, the TSA is supposedly in charge of protecting the nation's transportation systems to ensure freedom of movement for people in commerce. 
Taxpayers footing its $7 billion annual bill construe that very narrowly. They expect screeners to find boneheads such as Umar Farouk, Abdul Molotov, and hustle him off to jail rather than down the jetway sans passport. They haven't yet realized that the agency interprets its mission far more broadly. That is to ferret out potheads and pornographers, teach serfs who will still think they're citizens their place, forcibly unionize screeners to produce 50,000 Democratic voters, and reward corporations that bribe, sorry, contribute to politicians with multi-million dollar contracts. Meanwhile, the TSA doesn't just fail to detect guys dressed in explosives. It's been up to its usual antics the last few weeks, even if its stunt with Umar overshadowed all else. I present the following incidents solely for their entertainment value. It's unlikely that the bungling pathology and all-around nuttiness they highlight will convince anyone to abolish the TSA if Umar hasn't. We go first to, and of course we know that there's no chance the TSA is going to be abolished at least not as long as the federal government's around. Right. The TSA isn't going anywhere as long as the United States of America still exists. Which may not last for much longer if, uh, you know, everything works They're out. They're printing but... money like it's going out of style, which is going yeah. to severely shake the foundation of the government. Anybody who thinks that the United States government can't go away clearly is not a student of, of history. history. Right. <laughs> um, all the great republics go away. Usually they go away after a long period of despotism after the republic really falls. All governments, period, go yeah, away. All of them. Yeah. There's not a government around that was here 500 years ago. So we go first to Meadows Field Airport near Bakersfield, California, where a passenger suitcase tested positive for TNT. During a routine swabbing of the bag's exterior, Kern County Sheriff Donnie Youngblood said when a Transportation Security Administration officials opened the bag, they found bottles filled with an amber liquid. So turns out it's honey. Mm. To those of us who work for a living rather than hiring on with a paranoid leviathan, yes, honey, which sickened two of the TSA's malingerers when agents opened one of the bottles and tested the contents. The resulting fumes nauseated them, said Youngblood. My parents would have told me to quit pretending, then scolded me that that's what I get for sticking my nose where it doesn't belong. Not the TSA. Its busybodies were treated and released at a local hospital. For well, honey, honey smelling. Yes. While federal officials suspended flights on Tuesday to and from Bakersfield Airport, closed down the airport at around 8.20 in the morning, and called in a hazardous materials crew. A bomb squad was also dispatched to the airport as a precaution. Despite the, the bags... Bo- the honey squad was yeah. there. Despite the bags owner Francisco Ramirez, 31, telling TSA officers that the bottles were filled with honey, Youngblood said, he added that it gives every appearance of being honey. Ah, but you know how tricky sticky stuff is, especially when it lurks in bottles minding its own business inside a suitcase. I mean, it's not as though poor Ramirez tried to entice these bozos to sample his suite. No, they ransacked his bag and then figured him for a terrorist trying to blow them sky high. Mr. Ramirez was detained for questioning, but not arrested. For having honey. Yes. Our rulers distinguish between these whatever troubles, uh, whatever trouble we subjects have seeing the difference. Authorities initially questioned his immigration status. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement confirmed, reluctantly, I'm sure, that Ramirez is a legal permanent resident of the United States. So passengers who have complied minutely with the TSA's rules can still count on intimidation and abuse. 
Meanwhile, Sheriff Donnie the Pinhead Youngblood wants to know, why in this day and age would someone take a chance carrying honey in Gatorade bottles? <laughs> that itself is an alarm. It's uh, oh, excuse me. This right. is continuing his quote. That itself is an alarm. It's hard to understand. Maybe he really likes honey. You remember the uh, story we read about? Uh, uh, Maybe he wanted to save on shipping. How the TSA's uh, agents couldn't figure out the Apple computers, uh, computer mouse. The mouse. Yeah, yeah. they thought <laughs> it was a detonator or what something like this? that. What is this? This this sort of cyndrilical oblong right. <laughs> pill shaped thing. I never seen a mouse with no button on it. One button on it. No, it had no buttons. Right. It was some right. sort of weirdo. It, it, well, it clicks, sensor mouse. Like the whole thing clicks itself yeah. or something. Yeah. I... I <laughs> Come on, really? I mean, this has got a, a wire attached to it. It must be a detonator. <laughs> this is the problem. This is the biggest problem the TSA can come up with. Somebody carrying honey in the only containers he could find available, which are Gatorade well, bottles. Largely, it is the biggest problem that the TSA can yeah, come up true. with. I mean, they haven't stopped anybody at a U.S. airport who was supposedly going to blow up a plane in... since when? Mm. The underwear bomber was blown was overseas. Yeah. overseas. I don't think they've the ever, sh- they ever stopped. I don't anyone. think the TSA has ever stopped. The anyone. shoe bomber lo- was already on the plane. Right, that overseas. That was, I believe, he loaded. Was he? I was he from? He was, over, I think if he, even if he was a domestic flight, it was he was caught on the plane essentially by passengers. Um, if if even if it right. was the air right. marshals, so the TSA it hasn't still had anyone. nothing to do with the TSA. Right, so they have caught no one. No, no one of any any consequence that I can think right. of. But they sure as hell have shut down airport after airport and inconvenienced an uncounted amount of travelers. Yeah, think about just think about the man hours that are spent standing in line at the airport, taking off your shoes, yep. emptying your pockets. It, it's incredible when you think about it. Wasting Absolutely. Everyone. Aside from the billions spent on the TSA, what you're saying is the amount of time wasted by travelers who otherwise could be at their destinations, they could be at their meetings that they were uh, supposed to be going to, they could be visiting their family, they could be doing the things that they would like to do. Instead, they have to blow an extra four hours in the airport right. because of all the security. And you take that out and you multiply it times however many thousands, hundreds of thousands, uh, millions, I don't even know. It must be millions of people that fly every year in this country. You multiply that times all the hours that are wasted and you're looking at a significant economic impact. Yeah, and it's not as if it's actually going to do anything to stop terrorists who are determined to take down a flight inside the U.S. No, especially not when their own red team uh, misses, what, 60% or more of the, yeah. the bombs and knives that are it, brought through? It, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are specifically on average, but uh, they miss as many as 80% sometimes. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, of course, as Gene uh, has pointed out in his calls, there's nothing stopping somebody with a surface-to-air missile from taking out any old plane they want to. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and we give them to you for free, including archives. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of those. In fact, we may be announcing, maybe tonight, some really exciting news about the Free Talk Live archive situation. I mean, as you know, we've been giving away a year's worth of Free Talk Live archives for, I don't know, longer than I can remember at this point. There's a very good chance that may be expanding tonight. 
and we'll give you the details as they come out here. Uh, if, if we're not on the air at the time when it happens, you'll know first if you're on the updates list over at updates.freetalklive.com. If you're looking for gold or silver coins, uh, you know, you're scouring the Internet or you've just been thinking about it, Free Talk Live has a, a site in conjunction with Midas Resources, our syndicate, GCN. Uh, that you should check out before you make any purchases. It's gold.freetalklive.com, and we have there several different varieties that I have hand-picked of both gold and silver species. And uh, you can check it out at gold.freetalklive.com. And, in fact, for those of you who are thinking about doing a sort of uh, you know, a savings program where you can take a certain amount every month because you're, or every week or every bi-week whenever you get your paycheck because you're not that good at saving, we have a program for you, too. Uh, give this telephone number a call at 877-857-9938. 877-857-9938. Mention Free Talk Live and lay away. So uh, we're going to continue here. Of course, we'll take your calls if you make them about absolutely anything. Story is from LouRockwell.com's Becky Akers, and she's reporting on some of the more recent TSA bungling that perhaps was overshadowed by the underwear bomber controversy from a few weeks back. So this is some recent uh, stuff the TSA has done that you probably haven't heard about unless you've already read this uh, story from Becky Akers at LouRockwell.com. So she started with a story about how a man had brought some honey in Gatorade bottles and uh, this was in uh, Bakersfield, California. Right, and I, I think that what's not being looked at here is I have uh, hives, and I can tell you the bees don't provide convenient honey containers for you to take the honey away in. The little bears, they don't manufacture those? And no, they don't, they don't the have that, The bees don't no. actually make the bears? They have them in little... They don't know. actually make the honey in the no, bears no. and put so, the caps on for So you have to come up with your own container if you want the honey, especially if you, you have a friend who has raw honey, not the crap that you buy in the store. It figures. I mean, why would the bees manufacture the bear containers? They don't like bears. No, bees don't like that's, right. It's offensive bears right. bears for bee container bee, honey containers should be little bee, bee little, little bee containers right you can oh. get those <laughs> okay anyway um they do have little bee containers <laughs> do they really bee honey containers I've yes uh, well they're, they're, people are trying to bring them in for the very reason that you're talking because the bears are offensive yeah gotcha. to, to some people I mean I, I I think that it's just a container right and, and it's meant to sell honey and right you know somehow people you relate. Do take the honey from the bees either way so I think they might care about that a little bit more than what you yeah, put it perhaps. in perhaps. In the right circumstance, they'll come fly right up and sting you. So, um, you know, anyway, the um, they, they don't – why would you – of course this guy is going to carry it in some odd container. His friend right. has raw, raw honey. I mean, what difference would it made which container it was? Because it was Gatorade bottles. I got – I used to buy raw honey in these giant – I guess they were pickle jars or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a wide mouth, lar- very large container. And I'd um, – you know, I lived at a place where I'd drive by uh, a guy who sold raw honey and – I just wanted raw honey. I don't even know why I couldn't even use all of it. I, I don't think I did use all of it. So I bought this one time, this giant container. What if I had tried to take that? Would he try to take it on the plane? Yeah, yeah, he was trying to get it on the plane, and uh, they He probably didn't out. think it was really a liquid. I, I, yeah, Who I don't knows? know. I mean, it's... They, they call toothpaste a liquid. Is, is toothpaste a liquid? I mean, yeah, by a scientific definition, definition. of what a liquid is, it has, um, you know, no permanent shape. And, well, we uh, all know the TSA is full volume. of scientists, Mark. I mean, yeah. they're really well, brilliant They folks. just decided to apply uh, the terminology as, as liberally as they possibly could. But this is the dumb thing. Is It was all about this, uh, this, this British bombing thing. But they still... You can bring water on the plane. 
You're allowed to, as long as you bring that water in three-ounce containers, and those three-ounce containers fit into a one-quart Ziploc bag. So yeah. you can bring on a great deal of water, as much water as you could bring into in the little container that you normally drink it out of. Or it's whatever. just not allowed to be in that container. Yeah, it's or, absolutely ludicrous. Or you could fill it with whatever bomb-making uh, material you wanted to, as long as they didn't really test too close. I mean, you just... Put your bomb-making materials into, uh, you know, the, the shampoo bottles or whatever it is that you've got that you're bringing along with you. How are they going to know? They don't check everybody's bags, check all of the the uh, the scents of the various different products that are in those three-ounce uh, containers. It's just silly. It's just as you were pointing out before. It's uh, security theater. So we next head to Philadelphia, according to Becky, where the TSA's canine force has proved it says maladroit as its human one. Three security dogs assigned to Philadelphia International Airport failed recent bomb-sniffing tests. Incompetent... The dogs failed the tests? Apparently. Now, now you really have to be a bumbling bureaucracy to somehow take dogs and turn them into dumb bureaucrats. I mean, here's some of the hardest-working creatures on Earth. They don't even understand bureaucracy, and and you can take them and make them bad. I I, I don't don't know if I even believe it. If you train them improperly, then sure. Yeah. I mean, a dog's not going to alert on explosive materials unless it's been trained to alert on explosive materials and not on other things. Incompetent staff is a problem with which the TSA has enormous endless experience, so its reaction is honed. The dogs are currently in training, according to the TSA, just as their human counterparts would be. No idiot is ever too stupid to retain his post at the TSA. While the agency denies any effect on its operation, we can ensure travelers that Philadelphia has ample canine resource to meet security requirements, says their propagandist. Another pooch bummed out at Minneapolis-St. Paul's airport where he indicated there was something suspicious about a piece of luggage. It's a toss-up whether Rover or our rulers are dumber. The latter called a bomb squad and cleared parts of the airport for more than an hour, though the suitcase was only a placeholder airline employees put on the luggage carousel to signal (laughs) to the other employees that all the bags had been unloaded from a flight. So it was a product of the airport that the dog was alerting to. Hmm. The TSA grabs any excuse to shut down airports. At Newark's blasphemously mislabeled Liberty International, a man took advantage of a TSA guard's absence to sneak past a security checkpoint on a recent Sunday evening and walk arm-in-arm with a woman into a secure area. He remained for about 20 minutes, no doubt plotting murder and mayhem while canoodling. A passenger so bothersome, the TSA ought to hire him, snitched on Romeo, and, yup, the TSA closed the terminal, delaying flights across the globe and calling into question just how secure the nation's airports really are. Or so the Associated Press breathlessly editorialized. Actually, only the media's morons and our masters wonder how safe airports are. The rest of us know. The uh, This allowed the TSA to indulge in its usual histrionics, the pettier... The the pettier the security breach, the more abjectly these buffoons apologize. They have yet to acknowledge any responsibility for the underwear bomber, whose name doesn't even appear on their website, but let a guy cozy up to his gal, and the TSA's heart breaks over its failure to secure aviation. Quote, the surveillance video from Newark Liberty Airport clearly shows that a TSA officer's actions led to the Sunday incident, the agency mourned. We will use this hard lesson to reinforce the sharp focus and tight discipline. Easy there, or you'll break a a rib laughing, says Akers, at all our stations across the country and ensure we maintain the public trust. 
scuzzball, says Becky. There's no public trust to maintain. Your own blog testifies how much passengers hate you. Wow, are they actually allowing people to comment on their blog? Anyway, then, too, the pettier the breach, the more vengeance the agency wreaks on those who show it for a fool. Romeo had not been identified or located, but a TSA spokes bureaucrat said he would face criminal charges if he's found. Well, heck, that ought to vanquish al-Qaeda. Astonishing, the unshakable faith Americans still place in Leviathan. Despite meaningless but ballyhooed breaches and Umar's breaches, few folks and none of our elected criminals are demanding even now that we send the TSA packing. Why disband a totally unconstitutional, completely incompetent bureaucracy when we can just reform it into even greater unconstitutionality and incompetence? Our final stop on the security circus is Los Angeles International, where a TSA agent was arrested on January 3rd in Terminal 1. He had just gotten off duty and was behaving erratically, saying, I am God! I'm in charge! Hey, buddy, way too many Americans agree. 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up absolutely anything to control of the airwaves. Uh, more coming up here about whatever's on your mind. A diabetic tasered by the police. We'll tell you about it coming up. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com. We give you all the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Once again, head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done. So, um, a couple of nights ago, we were talking about uh, what organizations to donate to for the uh, the Haitian relief, and yeah. um, I have uh, looked within the Quakers and found the American Friends Service Committee. Apparently, as I understand it, and I'm sure I have it wrong, um, 100% of the uh, of, of what you donate goes to efforts right in Haiti to get food and, and medical supplies to people. They're also working on long-term solutions and have been for years over there. So they already have people on the ground working with folks. Hmm. And uh, it's the American Friends Service Committee is seeking financial contributions to aid Haitians earthquake survivors and help them recover and rebuild. You can donate at www.afs.org slash Haiti or call 888-588-588. 2372. It's AFS.org slash Haiti, 1-800-1888-588-2372. Cool. 800-259-9231 is our number. Well, there's a little bit of news here uh, from CNSnews.com where they are talking about a, a Washington Post story that, that ran apparently 
polls showing growing disappointment, polarization over Obama's performance that made no mention of the fact that the poll found that 58% of Americans say they favor a smaller government that provides fewer services. How many? 58%. Happens all the time. What, what, what happens all the time? Well, you know, some, some poll comes out like this um, that you know Americans want a smaller government. I've seen them as high as the numbers as high as seventy percent. Well, uh, in this in this case, they're actually they were critiquing the Washington Post for not mentioning it. Apparently, the next day they ran another story that actually did mention the finding. Uh, the poll asked the question: Generally speaking, would you say you favor smaller government with fewer services or larger government with more services? Fifty-eight percent said they favor a smaller government with fewer services. Only thirty-eight percent said they favor a larger government with more services. And the poll surveyed a random sample of over a thousand Americans between January 12th and 15th of this uh, this year. So it's a little bit of positive uh, news there. That still the idea of less government resonates with uh, with many Americans. Of course, that doesn't really speak to the fact of what those Americans want the government to do. It doesn't really get specific as far as. Some of them might want to see smaller government, but still want to go and kill people all around the world. So, people, well, people want to cut. The, the, a lot of people would say they want smaller government, but they there are certainly things that they themselves don't want cut. Some people right. definitely do not want welfare programs cut. There are other people who they would like to see welfare programs cut, but they want to make sure that nothing happens to the Pentagon's budget. Or you got to protect the border, or whatever. Whatever it is. It they is. got their they've got their pet programs. And it's as uh, Michael Cloud has pointed out in uh, – there's a great little publication called the uh, the Advocates for Self-Government. They've got the Liberator Online, which comes out via email uh, once every two weeks. And he does some persuasive uh, – he kind of gives persuasive uh, persuasion tactics and, and things like that. And one of his story, uh, one of his articles, he was talking about how the small government minus one factor is uh, a big problem where somebody, some politician will claim to be for smaller government except on this issue. And, of course, most politicians have more than a minus one. They've got several issues that they want the government to be involved in. But nonetheless, the idea being that if you've got a candidate who's saying they're for smaller government and they've got one or two issues that they're not necessarily for smaller government on, look out. Because when that person gets in, uh, if, if that person gets elected to office, they'll end up spending all of their time lobbying to pass and uh, submitting bills and that sort of thing to pass their one program or whatever it is, you know, the expansion of their favorite program, the protection of their favorite program, they'll spend all their time looking to expand government in the one area that they think government should be in and spend virtually no time at all working toward actually reducing the size of government. And so if you take those people and you were to elect a whole bunch of small government minus ones, which some someone could argue would be an, a much better situation than we currently have, uh, you'd still have government growing because they would all be scratching each other other's backs they'd all be palling around uh, trying to help each other get their programs through because well it's important to them to get their one program through and they're willing to do whatever it takes speaking of that that reminds me ron paul sold out Did y'all see the news about this I, I i saw the headline but i didn't have time to read the the video the interview i actually saw it it was a very quick uh quick video clip yeah i saw it too where uh, the, I think it's Catherine Bleich's uh, either boyfriend or radio partner or something like that. Uh, from the she's the one of the girls from the Ladies of Liberty Alliance. Uh, apparently, she's got her own online internet radio show, and they uh, they confronted Ron Paul with a video camera recently at the one of the Campaign for Liberty events. 
And they called him out. Uh, they they and good on them for doing this, by the way. Essentially, what had occurred was Ron Paul had endorsed in another Texas, I believe it was congressional race in in Texas. He had endorsed a neocon when there was somebody who was in the race claiming to be a Ron Paul Republican. Now I don't know if the, the other guy actually was a Ron Paul Republican or what even what that even means these days. The suggestion, of course, being that he was for significantly smaller government than the candidate Ron Paul endorsed. So the Ron Paul endorsed the incumbent. Ron Paul endorsed a neocon. And they called, They asked Ron Paul about this on video camera. And he basically admitted to them that, uh, well, he has to do that because he's made a deal with the Republican Party of Texas to back all of their candidates. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing watching him admit, admit to this, that this is politics in action, people. Well, I this think is that- Ron Paul, one of the most principled, liberty-minded people in the federal government, you know, the big hero of liberty there, Ron Paul, admitting that he's cut a deal with the Republican Party, What and what the other terms of the deal he didn't reveal, I don't know what the deal was, well, but part of the deal was... To me, it seems odd that you would your deal with the Republican Party would force you to back incumbents in a Republican primary. Doesn't it seem odd? That That's odd what he me. admitted to. I mean, it's, it wouldn't seem odd to me that the Republican Party would say, hey, look, you, you can't be helping other people's campaigns when they're running in the general election against Republican candidates. I can understand that as part of partisan politics. If you're going to be part of the Republican Party, that might be a deal that you have to make. But to me, it seems odd that you'd have a deal where you have to support a particular candidate when they're running against other Republicans. Well, isn't it the clip? The clip was small and short, and I don't like uh, to make value judgments based on very short clips. I wasn't I wasn't there. I don't know what he's thinking. I'd like to talk to him about it further, you know, like all these things. But. To me, his actions are what matter, and I'm, I agree with you, Ian. Nobody's going to be 100% principled because if they were, they wouldn't be elected. They would have a radio show berating everybody else who's actually getting, you know, trying to get some stuff done. Are you defending what he's doing, Mark? I don't, Selling out? I don't know precisely uh, what does, he is doing. It, yeah, it, it, I mean, he has, as far as his record in Congress, it's been a very principled record. I mean, obviously, he's not a voluntarist, but as far as... Sticking with the Constitution, I think that there are very, very few places where you can find much fault with him. In I'm not trying fairly, to find fault. Well, with I'm him just there. saying what he has done in office is he has adhered to you know his interpretation of what the Constitution means, which is a pretty strict interpretation throughout you know a fairly long career in Washington. And he's just about the only person who's actually he deserves done to that. be lauded for that. I'm I'm with you. I mean, we've had him on this program in the past. Uh, there's no doubt that he's the best congressperson in Washington. But I, I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me so much if a prince somebody who is principled and is trying to advance liberty, you know, in the position they're holding in the office that they hold endorses a thug. No. I I, I it doesn't fill me with warm and fuzzy feelings, but I think makes so, me wonder what the other side of the deal was. Like what did they tell Ron Paul in the Texas Republican Party that 
Ron, you, you need to do this for us, or else we'll do X. I, I can right. I, I can imagine. I, you know, I, I can imagine all kinds of things, and I can imagine compromises being made. And I understand that in politics, a certain level of compromise is necessary. And I'm surprised at the lack of compromise that Ron Paul has had. I mean, you know, when you see those votes that come in, 434 so to you one. You are apologizing for Ron Paul, then, basically, in this case. I, you're, I, an, you're an apologist. For, I, I'm for going to always apologize for people that are, you know, acting in sort well, of a, an 80 to 85 percent pro-liberty action, because I believe that it forwards the ball towards liberty. I understand that it's ugly and disgusting, many of the projects that they that, that they undertake from well, a big thank government. Goodness we have some intellectually honest people who are willing to uh, hold this man's feet to the fire it, and let him know that it's important to them that he ha- he remain as principled as he can. I, I would like that, too. Yeah, it, it seems like a crappy deal. They, I, I would assume they threatened him with competition in his own primary. I imagine it was it. something like that, yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a shame. More coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And coming up this hour, we're going to give you a chance to win a two-pack of the Totasac, so stay tuned for that. We'll tell you more about what the Totasac is here in a little bit. 800-259-9231. Right into your phone calls, we go to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee, on the amp lines. Hello, Gene. Hello, guys. Hey. I wanted to call and take up Ron Paul's side. You mean Ron and Paul's not- side uh, in, the, in the fact that he's defending and actually endorsing the various different neocons and thugs that are also running in the, uh, the Texas, uh, I guess, primary races over there for the Republican Party? Now he's up to various different ones. I thought it was one specific guy. That, nope. In uh, fact, the worse. Republican Party, according to this, is over at uh, Karen DeCoster's Facebook page. The Republican Party requires the bylaws of the Republican Party in Texas require candidates to support the Republican candidates, or the Republican Party can kick you out. The Republican Party officials have made their bylaws to insulate them from any challenges. You either have to support them, or you'll be kicked out of the party. So it's my understanding that he is—he uh, has to endorse all of the official Republican candidates in any race. I don't know if this was a primary or not. I didn't really get uh, catch that uh, that detail. You had said that it was uh, Nick, but it sounds that way to me. Yeah, I'm not—I'm not certain on that. But nonetheless, there was a. Well, 
Go ahead. If that's the case, then I I definitely support Ron Paul because he's if he wants to stay in the Republican Party, he has to live by the bylaws. So it's the same thing. Uh, so what if they know, change the bylaws to uh, say that he has to support the war in Iraq or Afghanistan? Then he has to support the war in Iraq or get out of the Republican Party. So at some point, the uh, bylaws would become so onerous that that Ron Paul would have to leave. But at this point, apparently, it's not so bad that he's willing to take that step to leave the Republican Party. Now we make the same kind of a deal in private business. We're in business, you know, my wife is a doctor, and in order to practice medicine, she has to agree to do certain X, Y, and Z. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, all of her judgment is out the window, because it isn't, believe me, she uh, she definitely uses her own judgment. But if she uh, doesn't uh, abide by the rules of the hospital, for instance, she will lose her privilege to uh, uh, that's right, there, Ian. So. You're kissing the man's butt because you don't say the F-bomb on FCC radio. <laughs> you're, a, you're an appeaser. You're an apologist for the government. You love George Bush and Barack Obama, Ian. So now here's, the, here's my critique, Deny. Ian, because, because I said this a minute ago to my wife, and she agreed with me. And I said that Ian is one of those guys that you can agree with him 90%. And he'll tear you apart for the 10% you disagree with him. Now, you've got to realize that this world is a big place, and you're going to run into a lot of people that disagree with you. And if you're ever going to get anything done, you have to agree to let some people have a different opinion, and you've got to work with people that you may not agree with. And that's just the way life is. You got it. That's a fact of life. Ian really doesn't, you know, doesn't do well with that. Like the the, the whole working with other people thing, not so good. Well, you do have mm-hmm. to some extent. You do have to. Uh, somebody has to serve as a moral compass, though. If you didn't have oh, pressure every, coming every, from Ian's people, your moral compass. If you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't have pressure from people pushing for the absolute most principled form of the philosophy, then people would stray more. I think. I agree with that. And, Somebody has to be Ron on the leading Paul, edge. I'm not saying it's very practical, but <laughs> and, and Ron Paul is well aware of that, and I'm sure he he probably doesn't like the fact that he had to a, a, abide by those bylaws either. But it's either that. Or become an independent, and at this point, he hasn't decided to do that. Now, maybe in the future, he will decide to do that. I mean, the guy is 80, well, getting close to 80 years old, so he's only got so many years of politics left in him. So, uh, you know, he's, he's he's going to make some move at some point, but Ian, you can't be the one to decide when he's going to do it. Sorry. Fair enough, Gene. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. You made a good point. 800-259-9231. My God, that's, that's the closest thing I've heard of, a, a, like like an apology out of Ian. That's the Sakel CAI toll-free line. Uh, nonetheless, this is I, eating crow for you. Nonetheless, I think that uh, Ron Paul's uh, response, as some folks point are, are pointing out here on over at Karen DeCoster's Facebook page, that Ron Paul's response was a little less than, I don't know, forthcoming. He didn't really get into detail. Well, he, had as to what... with, yeah, he, he was confronted with uh, well, cameras. You don't always, uh, you know, you don't always perform. You know as well as I do that you got better days and worse days um, in, in recorded yeah. media. Yeah. And, well, and the other thing is, I mean, there's probably only so far he can go in saying, well, I like the other guy better, but I have to. Enjoy. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, there's a fine line between... Uh, sticking by the endorsement and trying to walk around it to the point where you're really endorsing the other guy and saying, well, officially I have to support this guy. But, yeah, you're right. That other candidate is much more principled. You can't really say that. It's just an example of how just – 
compromised the whole political process it is. is. It absolutely is. And if, if you want, we on the next segment, you can berate me about the Brown versus uh, Coakley uh, race. Um, that, that's what's going on in Massachusetts right now. And it looks like the Republican Brown is going to be winning. Um, about a, uh, Boy, that'll change things. Let's go six. to Byron in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Byron. Hello. And we're live. We're back on the air. This is Byron on Free Talk Live. And I'm with my co-host, uh, Marvelous Marvin. Marvin, how are you doing? It's great to be here. Yeah, well, tonight we're talking about a Senate race that's going on in Massachusetts. Oh, God. We're not talking about that on our Free Talk Live. Sounds awful to me. I don't want to talk. I know Mark wants to talk about it, but I really don't. I, I don't I've, I've said everything I need to say. There's a there's a five-point difference. It looks like the fat lady's singing. Byron? I don't know about that. So are well, you guys live doing your own Free Talk Live during our show, and you called into this Free Talk Live with your Free Talk well, Live? We'd like to have you as guests on our program. We would like to talk to you about Brown versus Coakley. Well, you guys need to get a better Brown. phone system. It sounds like you're on a speakerphone. Well, somewhat. We're, we're actually in a box. You're in a box. Right it's a Kenmore. It's a Kenmore. It's American-made. Big. <laughs> not very good. Very good. Nothing to worry about. Basically. Spacious, it's great. But listen, so Brown. I prefer Japanese under- products anyway, so I really I wasn't worried. Japanese. Yeah. Look at you. What is this? Nineteen forty. Why don't we have a discussion of their comparative haircuts? <laughs> but he cuts his own hair. It's Martha, Martha Coakley. Uh, uh, she's an attractive man. She's an attractive man. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, a Muppet hybrid. Yeah, it's, it's who is Martha Coakley? I don't. You even... don't act like you're that dumb. This is the Democrat running in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I've said her name you... to you a half a Coakley, dozen times tonight. Cokehead, Brown. I don't know. They're all they're all the same to me. The Republicans and Democrats, you can interchange them at will. And the idea that anybody's going that this election Shut up and let these guys talk. In, is going to make a difference, I think, is pretty ludicrous. But go ahead. Uh, they are entertaining oh, me. I'd like to have my two cents, please. Anyway. Uh, I think if the two of them copulated, it would look sort of like a, um, uh, a larger version of E.T. Personally speaking, I think if they copulated, I think they'd look like a smaller version of Ted Kennedy. <laughs> uh, I think we're splitting hairs here. Yeah, Politics we're, we're is uh, Hollywood for ugly people, isn't it? Oh, yes. So uh, let's say President Obama gets in. It's a threesome. It could be uh, sort of uh, light milk chocolate. Uh, right guys. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800. They had some winners, Yeah, man. it was good. It was there good. some winners. It was like an alternative universe where the show's actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ian's joke for the month. It was great. That was a good one, Ian. You boy. That was so cute. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Let's try Michael in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Michael. Hey, how's it going? What's on your mind tonight, Michael? Yeah, actually, I wanted to disagree with y'all a little bit. Okay. Um, I listen to the show a lot and agree with probably 99% of what y'all say. but um, And I agree that involuntary government is illegitimate. But y'all seem to jump from that to the concept that nations don't really exist. What's a nation? Well, a nation would be a group of people who share a common culture, a common way of life. So I would I mean, I would agree that nations exist in the same way that religions and gangs and sports teams exist. Let's talk a little more in detail about this, if you don't mind. Hang on. We'll bring you back for that at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 
you can bring up anything. 1-800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. Yeah, Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Totasak, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. Go there, learn more about the wonderful handle that's made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. Makes it easy to bring back those extra grocery bags. You can load up your hands with these uh, with grocery bags if you're carrying the Totasack. It makes it so much easier. I love the Totasack. Uh, com. You can get yourself a family pack over there. Or stay tuned. We'll be giving you your chance to win a two-pack here in a little bit. Let's continue here with your phone calls and go back to Michael in South Carolina. Now, Michael, you, were, uh, you brought up the issue of uh, the... Whether or not this is a nation, whether or not there is a nation, and of course it is my uh, belief that there is no such thing as a nation, uh, but we were getting into the definition of it. Can you redefine for, for me what uh, you think a nation is? Well, I'd say it's a group of people who share a common culture, a common way of life. Um, and, and I'm not arguing that the United States is a nation. It's definitely not. It's a, it's a multinational empire. Um, but I'm just saying that So give me an example are, of a nation then. Uh, I would say that the Japanese people are a nation. Well, the Japanese, not, not Japan, but the uh, Japanese people. Okay, I, like I was gonna, I was about ready to, to lay in because there are there are um, minorities that are in the Japanese nation. Um, it's my understanding um, standing that uh, Okinawa that there's a, a, some sort of minority there that they understand the uh, the difference of that I simply do not. Uh, they all seem Japanese to me, but that they sure. understand the difference um, of and that those people are somehow looked down upon or, or something like that. So. I think that if you're talking about an ethnicity of people that you that you've got some stance there um, here in the United States, I don't think that there's you, you can make much of a uh, an argument that the ethnicities are the the same well, you know across the board. It's common language for the most part. If you're talking about the dominant culture, there's, it's common language in a lot of nations. I mean, a lot right. of countries. Well, you've got a there's common, a common, lang- common there's language. There's a common language in the U.S., but different dialects. That's true. Uh, cultures. There's different cultures in Japan. I mean, there are all kinds of different well, uh, people into a variety of different. Sure, I can understand the idea things. here, though. I mean, I, I, I would say I definitely do. From a personal standpoint, I definitely would identify with somebody else from New Hampshire or Vermont more than I would with somebody from Alabama. I do sure, think that you know, but I'm even saying. if the only wait 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 even if the only thing you have in common is that you were both born on the same plot of land, the same arbitrary uh, plot it's of land. It's not about a plot of land, though, Ian. It's, it's what kind of sports that. do you play? What do you do in your free time? How do Absolutely. you say certain words? There's it's 
I think what what what. But if somebody about, plays different uh, sports from you, we're not talking about a nation state. We're talking about a common culture. And right, I'm saying, and that's real. To, I'm saying to what I'm asking you is, if you have a differing culture in that you might have been born in the same geographic region, but you have differing interests and beliefs and things like that, that means you're in the same nation. Or no, you have well, to have the exact. Sure. I mean, well, yeah. I would say that that society is is based on uh, the root of it is family and culture, and uh, these are voluntary. They're legitimate, and I'm not ar- I'm not arguing that uh, involuntary government is legitimate, but that mm-hmm. these things are real. And you might be born in a you know in an area, and there might be someone different. You know, you might be slightly different than your neighbor, or very different. In general, you share many things in common with the people in your same culture. I mean, there might be Canadians who don't like hockey, but hockey is still sort of a shared thing if you're a Canadian or you live in more or less the northern United States. So it's only the majority that defines. It's only the majority that defines what a nation or a culture is. No, I'm not arguing that. I'm not. You can't have different cultures in one area. I'm not talking about majorities or numbers or uh, any sort of uh, counting or numbers or, or anything like that at all. I'm just saying that that cultures and nations are real. Um, I lived in Oh, Spain I think cultures, for, uh, cultures are real, absolutely. I agree with well, that. I, and, and from that, you get the concept of the nation. It's really just an extension of the family. Um, I can tell you, I, you know, I lived overseas abroad um, in Spain for about four years, and I definitely wasn't a member of that nation. Um, I liked it, and I tried to adapt, but that wasn't my nation of people, you know? I I don't know uh, what you're saying. In fact, uh, according to the dictionary, a nation is a large body of people associated with a particular territory, which is, of course, arbitrarily selected by somebody in the past, uh, that is sufficiently conscious – this is where it gets really nebulous – that is sufficiently conscious of its unity to seek Mm -hmm. or to possess a government uh, peculiarly of its own. That's generally how it's defined. I mean, mean, the the Québécois in Canada – they will call themselves a nation, but generally they would see that as extending to other French-speaking people and say New Brunswick. It's not so much about... So it's not uh, about territory, Well, the, there's a territorial aspect to it because they all kind of live centered around one geographic location. It's like the Kurds. They live both in Turkey and in Iraq. But it's Kurdistan's right. land. So if what you want to say is you belong to the nation of the Red Sox fans, that's fine, as long as it's, uh, as it's a voluntary no, it's association. Huh? Well, it is voluntary, and and it is voluntary. Well, I mean, you can leave, not, you know, you can disassociate, but it's not just simply a sports team. But do you get what I'm saying, where you have the same uh, interest to where you could all, as it's saying here, be uh, conscious of its unity to seek or possess a government peculiar, uh, peculiarly its own? Yeah, that's the part of the definition that I would disagree with. Like, in old times, you had nations, and they moved around the world, and they had voluntary self-government. You know, in other words, you could leave and start your own tribe. You could join another tribe. You could do whatever. You know, the tribe was always on the move anyhow. It wasn't an involuntary government. It was just a 
really a big family of people. Well, that's a more accurate definition. If you're just talking about a big family, then definition four says an aggregation of persons in the same ethnic family, often speaking the same language or cognate languages. Well, so that would be an accurate definition. You're, you're also that's, looking that's at the, the fact kind of that definition like. when we hear government today, we're thinking about a nation state. Uh, and when people use the term nation, they're talking about everyone that is within an arbitrary sure, generally drawn border. People who, who have the same language and a shared culture tend to form political units together. But if you're looking yeah, the, at government in terms reason. of customs and folkways, then certainly I think that there are some things that are acceptable to do in Thailand that are not acceptable to do here, whether you have a government around to say that or not. I, there are differences in the way that somebody in in part of the United States would carry out their life and the way that somebody in some Asian country would because there are yeah. social differences there. Michael, any final thoughts for us? Well, no, I just I just brought it up because uh, you, Ian, you've been a little bit uh, critical, I think, of the idea that nations exist in the past. So I just wanted to point that yeah, out. Yeah, I was talking about nation states. Uh, if you want to talk about a family of people that is spread out across some, you know, where, that's fine. Good job, Michael. Thanks for the call. Appreciate yeah. hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I, when I was talking about nations, I was talking about them in the way that they're commonly referred to in that people talk about the United States as a nation. The United States is a government. Uh, the plot of uh, land called America is just a plot of land, and there are a variety of different families and ethnic groups and people with different cultures within it. So there's no nation of the United States. And I'll stand by that one. More coming up, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Dial in now for the Tota Sack. You'll get a two-pack if you call in at 435-1105. We'll give it to the first caller. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners is brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. Plus, from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-freedom activism than you may ever have have imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You can learn more at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org as we continue with your phone calls about what you want. It's Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hi, good evening. Hey, Frank. Yeah, I wanted to mention the first use of the term nation or nations occurred in, as uh, defining groups of medieval university students. At that time, Europe really was a series of, uh, uh, it was basically sort of an empire, most possibly what was the Holy Roman Empire. But you'll notice that countries, per se, didn't exist. Uh, so in a sense, uh, it's interesting to note that the term nations was used to define groups of medieval university students uh, hmm. at their universities. And if we go back to the first case in the United States regarding uh, definitions of nation versus state, 
it would be the Cherokee Nation uh, versus the state of Georgia in 1831. And in that case, uh, uh, Chief Justice Marshall defined certain characteristics of uh, nation and state. But sadly, uh, the Cherokee Nation petitioned uh, the U.S. Supreme Court to prevent Georgia from taking their lands and killing their people indiscriminately. And while they didn't receive that remedy, it, it, it does, the case does, you know, remain important in the sense that it tended to define terms of nation and, you know, state. Uh, so that, that's kind of interesting. But what I wanted to talk about Hey, while tonight, we're on the, uh, the subject of definitions of nation, I was just looking through them here, and there's actually a, there's actually a pronoun version of nation. Did you know that? What is that? The definition of nation with a capital N is American temperance crusader who conducted a series of raids on saloons in which she used a hatchet to break liquor bottles and destroy (laughs) furniture. (laughs) That's very interesting. Some nutter. (laughs) That's actually even more sort of irrelevant than the concept of the defining groups of medieval university students. So go ahead with your reason for calling. I know you had something else you wanted to get to. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I did. Um, I really wanted to say that I think the United States is finished as a nation, as a state, as a country, as a dream, and as an idea. Uh, These last wars uh, from 1947 onward have bankrupted this country. Uh, The government that we have, or the civil servants in government, are so decadent and perverted. And all we have to do is look at the Bush administration and the current, Clinton, the current uh, Obama administration and the individuals that are, you know, making policy for the government that are, quote-unquote, agents of the government. And the fact that we're pursuing field policies that will just bankrupt us. And the most egregious is sort of the new war that Obama brought into being in February of last year, the war against Pakistan, who was our ally, uh, you know, up until, uh, you know, most recently. And uh, the fact that the U.S., the United Kingdom, and Israel want to destabilize Pakistan, uh, you know, is well known to any European or Asian that reads, you know, the newspapers. But it's really unknown here in the United States. And we're squandering hundreds of billions of dollars on this madness, and we're destroying innocent civilians. Well, I'm not doing The United States has been doing that for a long, long time. As I said, I say since 1947. And the fact that, you know, we really don't have our habeas corpus or we don't have a functioning Bill of Rights with the advent of the Patriot Act 1 and 2, Homeland Security Act, Mm -hmm. and the Military Commissions Act of February uh, 2006, um, just bring this to the point that really our government... uh, according to the Constitution, has ceased to exist. Therefore, it's I think it's time, it's time for everyone to quit paying taxes, and it's Hall- time for everyone to, everyone to, uh, you know, just sort of abandon the... Uh, if only people would structure. actually listen to you, Frank, and actually do what you're suggesting, I think that would be absolutely wonderful. But most people are too chicken s to, well, to, uh, to quit paying taxes. Too, too content to sit, you know, with the remote control and the six-pack. Even people that know better, even people that know what you're saying is true, are too scared of what the state might do to stop paying like taxes. Like Mark and I. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to name names. 
Well, but yeah, like we, two-thirds of my studio here. <laughs> well, when we decide to torture innocent civilians in violation of our own constitution that prohibits, uh, you know, unnecessary torture, uh, and when we also violate the terms of the Geneva Conventions and protocols that the United States demanded upon, forced upon the world after the Second World War in 1947 through 49. Uh, it's time to realize that our government, as it's constituted, is illegitimate. Therefore, it has no purpose for being, and it's 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 executing but they're illegal scary, actions. Frank, they're scary. If they're willing to torture those people from around the world, what might they do to American uh, American people? I mean, well, they we know, could torture we, uh, the people that don't pay taxes too. So they should just keep paying taxes. That way, well, they won't get tortured, right? Well, what I would say is this: when we have a situation. Uh, of 830 FEMA camps that are basically used to house uh, civilians, and we have a you know a program already in place, uh, you know, if martial law is declared, that you know a number of individuals and dissidents will be uh, interned, and we saw that in the Soviet Union, and we also saw that in Nazi Germany, and I've studied the Holocaust for the last. 40 years, and I have to say that all of these events now are occurring, and our tax dollars are paying for it in this country, and it's time to say no. It's time to say no to the government. And all I can say is this, uh, when we have Obama, who really hasn't even proven his legitimacy regarding his birth certificate, if he is eligible to be president, and the various laws that he's abrogated uh, under the unitary executive directives of Bush that can be traced to the Nazi jurist uh, Carl Schmitt in Germany. Frank's done uh, his research, guys. I mean, hey, why don't you well, listen to Frank? Is, I've tried to convince these people to stop paying taxes for years now. I, I guess the I, question really, Frank, is what is it going to take to get people to agree with you? I mean, they've seen the violence. Well, I they think know the sad th- thing is this. We've lost our representation within the courts and the judiciary because virtually all of the federal judges are appointed by the president well, I'm a- and the Justice Department. And the point is, it has to be adjudicated. And if it can't be adjudicated in the United States, it has to be adjudicated in The Hague. And no one is willing to do that. We have a case whereby we don't even need any classified information to be declassified. We have enough evidence that's available in the public sphere that can put this government and its administ- the last three administrations in jail as war criminals. And it's yeah, time we act on that? this nonsense. Yeah, well, no, it's time we act on it. Let's Thanks, get the Frank, attorneys. thank you, dude. I appreciate the, the call tonight. I, mean, I think that the solution that seems a lot better to me, as much as I know Ian, you would prefer everybody just stop paying taxes, is that... I'd also like them to stop obeying, too. Oh, well, you would like to get rid of government entirely, and I'm not sure I'm on board with that at this point. But no, as you can as, keep the, the state and local government, right. at and least as, for a little while. As far as the federal government's concerned, if people really think it's time to do away with what the federal government has become, and it is an illegitimate government, I certainly advocate the idea of secession. And if yeah. if New Hampshire or any other state wants to secede, I'll certainly stand with a whole state full of other people who are in the same boat. If I stop paying my taxes, guess what? A million other people aren't going to jump on board the same day and say... Nick stopped paying his taxes, so we are too. Not the same day, but maybe two more will jump on board, and then two more after that. I'd rather that just is... secede. Well, me too. But in the meantime, I'm not going to give my money. More coming up here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I'm declaring personal secession. Actually, I already have. Uh, more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Enough time, perhaps, for your call. If you make it right now tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. If you enjoy the program, you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. For as little as three bucks a month, you can head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the AMP program. We'll take that money and reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only forum, and the AMP-only podcast and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Com. Critical thinking question, why would something that's so good for us, like public education, need to be imposed upon us with the use of force and funded by the use of force? Maybe something else is going on. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. 1-800-259-9231. Back to your phone calls. Let's go to Ted calling from the woods on the amp line. Hello, Ted. How y'all doing? Hey, Ted. What's on your mind? And have any of you ever seen something that you just couldn't explain on uh, this world? You mean something supernatural? I saw aliens one time, but I think it was just Not necessarily supernatural, just something that was so beyond your cognition of being able to visualize something like that being in this world. You mean while you're sober? Yes, well, it doesn't have to be while you're sober, I guess, but it was sober when I saw something like that. What'd you see? I'm always uh, surprised at just how pig-headed Ian is. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that surprises me every once in a while, too, but you could, you're probably used to it by now, ain't you, Mark? I, it, no, it surprises me anew all the time. Frustrates me anew, I guess. <laughs> so, something unusual. What did you see, Ted? Something well, unexplainable. Well, I was out on the porch. Oh, what was that? Uh, something unexplainable, I guess, was the right word. Go ahead. All right. I had, I was out on the porch, and we were looking down the hollow, and I saw this black object come out of one side of the woods. It was about, I'd say, four feet tall. It was down by our old barn, and I, I couldn't tell what in the hell it was. And uh, I ran in and grabbed the old VHS camcorder. We had one of them great big things <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. they used to sell. You stuck the VHS tape in it. And uh, we we zoomed in on this thing, and it was a damn turkey. It was a four foot tall turkey. You ever seen such a thing? Is that no? Big? That's I, big for a turkey, that's right? That's not, darn big. Th- that's almost impossibly big for you a sure. Turkey. It wasn't an ostrich yeah, or something like that. Almost impossibly big. You sure it wasn't an ostrich? You one hundred percent sure it was a turkey? Big. Oh no, ostriches and turkeys ain't shaped nothing like no. man. This uh, had to have been a turkey. It had the beard. It had the razor spurs on it. No, you're sure it was four. It was a turkey. You're sure it was four feet tall because while it might have looked four feet tall, it can be deceiving, especially if you're looking across the field and you don't really have any other landmarks to judge the the scale. Well, we're standing of it. beside the barn, so I was I got a pretty oh. good idea how size it was by, by seeing it next to that barn, and we got it on film. I've got this on film. How close did you get to the four foot tall turkey? Oh, and turkeys, man, they're, 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 they're wily. They'll spot you from a mile away, man. And if you make a noise, they'll hear you. They're quick. They'll you take off like take, a bat. Take off. He won't get you, get, not try to get you with the razor spurs. No, I tried to catch this thing. I've been, I've been hunting for years now. I still ain't caught it, <laughs> but one of these days I'll have him and I'll throw him on my truck. Wait a minute. Wait, how long ago was this? 
How long ago did the did you oh, see this? Oh, this is ten years ago. Ten I years. How long does the turkey like, live? Are you suggesting that this is like a thirteen, fifteen-year-old turkey? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I figured if the damn thing was four feet tall, he had to have been pretty old, right? Well, it, it, yeah. I don't know. They did kill that really big pig I, I down a giant in Georgia. Turkey probably lives longer. I I I I don't know. I you would generally things that I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Uh, large humans don't tend to live long. However, elephants do. So I guess uh, um, I, I, one can draw one's conclusions. I suppose. I it, I, I assume if uh, Andre the Giant can have elephantitis, that some turkey in uh, the Hala in uh, West Virginia, uh, by God, West by God, Virginia, can can get elephantitis too, right? I don't think it was elephantitis because he's moving pretty good to be a giant turkey. I mean, if he had elephantitis, I'd think he'd be all messed up and stuff, and he wouldn't be all he'd be all lopsided you're, or something. Sure but was then, a giant turkey. He was in pretty good shape. I am upset at Wikipedia. They have not. Uh, they are not informing me as to how long turkeys live. <laughs> well, I can tell you not uh, that long. Here's I, I read something on squirrels. Okay, um, in the wild, squirrels tend to live two to three years, but in captivity, they can live up to twenty. So, um, wow. one might say that the the giant turkey has a uh, you know a better than average chance of gaining food and and mates because he's big or something so therefore he has a better chance of living longer because this is a turkey living in the holler though so it's not going to be doing too too well yeah, three to three to four Ted's years after it. according to answers.com three to four years ted is it possible that you're actually chasing the descendant of the turkey like that the turkey has reproduced and you're just actually after it when's the last you saw it 10 years ago so you you've been looking for it ever since or you seen it again since oh then? yeah no, I have not seen it. I've seen tracks, though. I've seen knocked over trees and big old giant feathers knocked and the like, but I haven't seen the turkey itself again. <laughs> well, you got to keep an uh, eye out for it. All right, Ted, anything else on your mind tonight? No, that's it, you guys. You keep your eyes peeled for that turkey. Let me know if you see him. <laughs> Good luck out there. I appreciate your call tonight, and I uh, always appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Rusty in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rusty. Hey, guys. How are you? What's on your mind tonight, Rusty? Well, I don't know. I'd just like to talk about a couple of maneuvers I've invented. A couple maneuvers. King? Yeah. I mean, you guys have heard of Dirty Sanchez, Rusty Trombone, stuff like that, right? I mean, I we've heard, heard of those things. I, I haven't heard of a Rusty Trombone, but I... We can't I, really it, get it into... It might be uh, best if you don't tell me what it is. Yeah, we can't really imagine get into... what it what type of things I'm talking about. It sounds Nancy. horrifying. I Knowing what a Dirty Sanchez is, and I, I believe having heard about the, uh, the Rusty Trombone... I certainly have heard of both of those. Yeah, in the past. I'm sure people that are really curious could go and use uh, startpage.com to find out exactly what they uh, they allegedly are. But are you talking about some sort of modification to, to one of those things, or what? Yes, a brand new one. I've invented my own. Uh, you want to hear it? It's pretty I, interesting. I don't know. Well, you, if you can tell it in a clinical uh, manner that is not pandering to the lowest con- common denominator. Or purient in any way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Basically, it's called a muddy mattress. <laughs> oh, God. <it> sounds awful <laughs> already. Dude, I don't know if I need to know more, but go <laughs> ahead. Basically, what you do is you get one of those old mattresses, you know, like the ones you find way out in the train tracks and stuff like that. And you just shit all over. Oh, we can't let you do that. Goodbye. Thank you. So sorry. Yeah, you thought he would. Uh, he, he knew the rules, yeah, right? Yeah, I think you know better than that. I mean, come on, buddy. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you want your crank call to go out on the air on the radio, you can't use the S word. Sorry. And yeah, I guess that's free talk live selling out, as you pointed out earlier. Uh, you guys pointed out earlier tonight. Yeah, right? pretty yes. adroitly. We are, uh, we are, uh, you know, we have to protect our radio well, stations. They uh, will 
possibly lose their government licenses, and it's our responsibility to uh, to provide them with uh, with content that is uh, is not going to put them well, in jeopardy. The the option basically is either you are on the radio or you allow four letter words. That's what it comes down to. Pretty but, much. Because if you just had a free-for-all and you allowed people to say whatever they wanted, regardless of FCC regulations, then Free Talk Live would be an internet-only show fairly quickly, I would think. Yep, I believe you were right about that. So, uh, toll-free number 800-259-9231. So, I had to go look up the definition of holler. I mean, I've certainly heard holler used in the terms of, uh, I'm going to holler at you. Like, that's a def- That's a he fairly... Was, he was mispronounced. I, I believe he was using a colloquial pronunciation of the word hollow. Hollow, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Which is a... Um, right, it's a valley. A valley between mountains. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a colloquial term um, and, and, and a great example of a colloquial term. Um, it is used in basically geographic, specific geographic areas in the United States to refer to a valley. So it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's one of the best definitions that I can find of a colloquial term. Is it a colloquial or colloquial? I I don't know. That's how I, I say colloquial. I yeah. would say colloquial. Yeah. Well, I, I, then again, I said stipend, and it's supposed to be stipend. stipend. So yeah, I don't you know. You. <laughs> you don't want to look to me for uh, for correct pronunciations necessarily. Uh, so hey, there's a little bit of quick news here. It looks like maybe we can expand on this at a later time, but. Tennessee has followed Texas in demanding that dealers obtain licenses and turn over a plethora of information to authorities before being able to host a gun show in another devastating attack on the Second Amendment, according to the folks over at PrisonPlanet.com. So apparently uh, gun shows going to get a little more difficult to hold in places where you'd expect it shouldn't be that hard to have a gun show. Texas? And Tennessee? It's shocking. And of course... They're going to get away with it, right? Because people are very obedient and uh, guns are scary. Are they requiring the dealers to get the, the at the at the booths themselves or the site holding the event? It's sounding to me like it's the actual uh, the gun dealers who are in the show, but I have not. I, I can't answer that for for certain. Uh, I mean, by federal law, they're already required to have a federal firearms license to to engage in that business. So. That's why I'm wondering. Really? Whether, yeah. You can walk around a gun show and sell your own guns without uh, having, having a license. Once you start engaging in the in the commerce of trafficking in arms, then it becomes a gray area. But. Well, anyway, we're out of time for tonight. Uh, save that diabetic story, Mark. Maybe we'll get to that tomorrow. You can bring up anything. We'll see you tomorrow online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another installment of the Edgington Post. It's uh, two in one evening here. We'll probably attach them to different uh, podcasts. So, Maury, I think you can uh, expect yours to be on um, starting on Tuesday. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, excellent. And everyone, I have with me Maury Strauss uh, from the Libertarian Party's Radical Caucus. And you guys have uh, set up for yourself a quite an endeavor. You wish to take back the party. That's right. How are you going to do it? What's going to happen? Well, um, we uh, I've uh, I've at the moment, my latest project is uh, I've set up a little uh, landing page at takebackthelp.info. Takebackthelp.info, uh, take want... the okay. Yeah, and I want to uh, get some of the people who um, are hardcore libertarians but have written off the LP for one reason or another 
I mean, either because of, you know, the latest, um, you know, the, the forays into opportunism and, um, and selling out of principle and watering down the platform or, um, you know, things like that. And the people who have, who feel that the LP has, has lost its way, um, and, but that it still is capable of doing some good. Um, those are the people that I hope to bring back into the party and get them active again. So, um, what's the? I've, I've been. I'm here at uh, TakeBackTheLP.info, and I uh, I see that uh, you've got some mission statements on here, and you outline your your plan, and um, it it appears to be that uh, you you want people to come to St. Louis in 2010 for the party meeting. Yeah, um, ideally, we I, I would love to have a, uh, a few more people come to the convention in May in St. Louis. Um, we have a national convention every two years, and that's where we do party business, um, things like bylaws, platform, electing of officers. Um, we also have workshops and various social events, and it's a good time. It's a lot like New Hampshire's Liberty Forum. Okay. Um, and, uh, um, you know, that, that would be, if I could just, if we had just another 50 radicals on top of what we, um, what we had for the last convention in 2008, um, we would have had Mary Ruert as our presidential candidate. We would have had a strong platform, um, restoring all the, print, the core principles. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it would have made all the difference in the world. So, so 50, you know, 50 more people. At, how big was this convention? Um, well, the convention sizes vary. The delegate counts can be anywhere from uh, the high 300 uh, range, you know, I think it was just short. I think it was less than 400 people in 2006 on an off year, and then on a presidential election year, it's usually uh, closer to seven or 800 people. So, um, if if those people come in 2010, I mean that's not a that, that's not a presidential year, clearly, um, much as we might uh, wish it were. Um, <laughs> so, um, what is what is it that uh, you know having a, just a few dozen more? Um, the, of the radical types, principled libertarians, let's call them, <laughs> um, principled libertarian types there, what is that going to do to, um, you know, put the party back uh, on, on track? I mean, are they... Well, are, are, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, it, it really starts out with the leadership. I mean, the leadership, um, you know, if we, right now we have Mary Ruert on the Libertarian National Committee. She's an at-large representative. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... We have a number of good uh, of other good people on the on the committee, um, but they're in the minority, um, and it's kind of you know dominated by a conservatarian sort of a sort of a group yeah. um, right now. And um, those people are able to you know even though they say that um, that party officers is, it's not an ideological role, but you have a great deal of influence on the ideology of the party because they pick the platform committee representatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, the members can still vote up or down on platform committee recommendations, but, but they tend to go with what the, with what the committee is recommended by and large. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, um, the officers and the, uh, and the Libertarian National Committee representatives, they decide where to put, what to put money into. Um, you know, is it going to be more grassroots and outreach, or are we going to just show up at the, conservative, um, what do they call it? Uh, in the past, we've been going to this conservative convention. Which, yeah. Um, I, I just don't see us getting a lot of value out of. So um, so it definitely um, is, and 
party business is an ideological matter, and, and radicals should be there and paying attention. Now, um, what is it that you would like to see the Libertarian Party do? Because on a national basis, um, you know, it's, they they seem to have sort of a conundrum, right? They um, they. I think what they their intention was is they'll elect Bob Barr will will be more electable, um, will get higher profile, and and I don't think that stuff worked, but I don't know because I'm kind of an insider as opposed to an outsider, so I couldn't say entirely, but. Um, what what is it? I mean, it, clearly, if the radicals take over, they're not going to create a party. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to me where the presidential candidate has a heck of a big chance of getting elected in the general election, right? I agree with you completely, Mark. Um, but I don't see getting elected as the as, as our primary goal. I mean, I think that as Bob Barr proved, even when you've got someone who's pretty close to a household name. Um, you know, we're still looking at the same half percent total at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, not not markedly different from getting, you know, a relative unknown like like Badner. Um, <clears throat> so uh, uh, I think that our our purpose is to get people fired up to to um, to uh, show people that, look, there's another way besides left and right. And it's this way of nonviolence and cooperation and consent and that it it actually works as well as being moral and um uh i think that you know if you talk to um a lot of libertarians in our general age group um by and large most of them came into the movement through the work of harry brown and his presidential campaigns in 96 and 2000 um, i agree with that so I, it, 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 the libertarian party you know whether you stay with it or not, it clearly holds some value as a, as a feeder organization and as an educational um, organization. So um, it's you know the intention is to make a, a much more principled education educational organization that uh, you know some people get behind and, and and support in in that manner. Right, exactly. Um, I think yeah, it's as I good mean, as any. It, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, the, the the deck is stacked against third parties, and it, it it was bad, you know, when when the LP was founded. But today, it's just um, the all of the the rules and regulations and um, uh, the bipartisan campaign campaign reform act. Um, it just it, between that stuff and you know the ballot access laws that have gotten tighter and tighter. The deck is completely stacked against you as a third party for. Um, for actually, you know, um, winning elections. Yeah. Um, but but I think that um, that in the meantime, even though you know the the uh, duopoly doesn't want to let us in, um, we can still have an effect, and we can use the system against itself, essentially, to uh, to um, you know get the message out. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think I can agree with what you're saying there. The Libertarian Party is worth something um, in that. You know, either way, whether you go with the conserva, um, conservatarians or the radicals, either way, it's not likely that the, 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 the candidate will get elected. It's possible, I suppose, but not likely. Um, but you right. can use the, uh, the, the opportunity when, when the, the media comes around and pretends to play fair and they, they're going to, uh, you know, do some, uh, interviews of some of the candidates and stuff like that, that, and, you know, it's it's the it's the presidential election time. Use that opportunity as a time to uh, you know talk to people, educate them, and and uh, try to get some people on board. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, well, I it, it, to me it sounds like something that's worth endeavoring into. Um, and now if 
I guess one thing that kind of makes me wonder is if I go to this uh, your web page here and it's um, take back the the party take excuse me take back the LP dot info um, the banner on the top says uh, take back the party <laughs> so it's uh, take back oh. the LP dot info and I decide okay I'm going to um, St Louis in uh, May. How do I know? But you basically need probably an additional, um, you know, 50 people or something like that. How how do I know if if me going is going to be helpful sort of ahead of time? Um, do you have like a running count kind of thing? How many people you're going to have on site? You don't, you know, some generalization as to what the other side might have on site, that kind of thing. You know, uh, Mark, um, organizing libertarians is very difficult. <laughs> I don't have to tell you, you know, how much trouble it is to get people to register and update at the Free State Project site. Um, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, generally, I know a bunch of them will be there, and some of them might even tell you in advance. But yep. by getting any kind of, you know, accurate count is just um, it's just not in the cards. Yeah, and another um, thing I think that's sort of valuable is the opportunity, the, the, the politicking that goes on, um, you know, when, when people are mingling and things like that. You can, um, you know, the more people there are there, the more opportunities there are for those people to be convincing to people who might be somewhat principled or, or very principled but still think that there's value in going with the uh, conservatarians for whatever reason and, you know, Giving those people, encouraging those people to, uh, you know, stick with the a more principled position. I, I would, I would think that obviously more people on site is a better thing for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we as delegates, you know, we we have to take responsibility not not just to to cast our ballots, but to actually um, be talking to our opposition, you know, and and um, the people who are undecided around us, and and you know, understanding where they're coming from, and trying to uh, persuade them that. Um, listen, you know there there are no shortcuts. We we've we've got to change the populace before we can um, before we can see any meaningful lasting change. So um, the when um, when people you know do, do set up and 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 go and um, you know to the uh, to St. Louis here, what can you know what 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 can they expect? What what's it going to be like? Um, well, it's a it's a really good time. I mean, um, I almost wish I I, I could have. Um, last year was just uh, or last uh, 2008 was um, was really bittersweet because I just had an absolute ball um, uh, talking to so many smart people, liberty minded mm-hmm. people, and you, you know what that's like when you go to a convention um, of libertarians and uh, and um, you know there were a bunch of luminaries there. I mean. Um, um, uh, Walter Block, uh, Anthony Gregory, Jeff Riggenbach, um, all kinds of people who I don't even think are LP members these days, but they but they come out, you know, for the for the camaraderie and uh, and um, to uh, to you know share the experience, um, you know, and that's uh, that part of it's great. And um, and then we have the business session, sessions, and sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's frustrating, and um, uh, but you know that's that's kind of that's kind of the ugly, unglamorous uh, part, I think, of, um, of managing an organization that uh, that you just have to take. So if I do go and like I decide to become a dues-paying member of the National Party and the State Party, um, or or whatever, well, you don't have to do both. Okay. If, if, if I do one, one or, or if I uh, if I do one or the other, and it seems to me your state party is probably the best place to do that, um, personally, but you know, yeah. be that as it may, <laughs> um, yeah. 
if if I do that, then I go out there. Then I, I then I am an, a delegate. I have a voting stance. If I just do that, um, you actually, there's a little bit more to it, Mark. You've got to you've got to um, you've got to be eligible by paying your dues, and then you've got to be seated as a delegate. And generally, you'll just contact your state chair and let them know. And they have almost everybody has more delegate slots than they can use. Okay. And if for some reason your, your delegation is already full. Um, a lot of times, another another uh, state's delegation will seat you. Um, so uh, I I don't remember seeing anyone ever turned away who um, who you know uh, came to the convention prepared to uh, um, be a delegate. So um, do you have to? Do you have to do that ahead of time, or what if what if I were to just say, okay, I'm I'm pay my money, and then I forget to do anything else, and and I end up I go in May um, to St. Louis, and I just show up at the door. Um, will I be a delegate at that point? Will Will somebody likely allow me to be a delegate, or what do you think? Um, if you paid if you paid your dues well in advance, I think that you can probably find someone else to seat you as a delegate. But it would be a lot smarter. To you know, try to get that that spot reserved for yourself. You know, through your through your state party chair, and um, you know, and if you can't do that, then definitely that's someone who I would want to come to the LP Radicals mailing list, mm-hmm. ask the question, and um, and see if someone more knowledgeable than I am can uh, can can steer you through the particulars. Okay, and uh, you can of course uh, join the the mailing list there at. Take back the party. Take back the LP. I keep on saying it wrong. Take back the LP dot info. Um, yeah, yeah. We have a link to the to the LP radicals mailing list, and that's that's where uh, that's where most of the action is decided ahead of time. So if I had a magic wand and I could uh, wave it around and give you your wish, um, as far as the people who are listening to this show right right now, and you got to you know, what would you wish that they do I mean how just real quick nail it down bullet points what what do you want them to do okay sign up with the LP rejoin as a member pay your dues um, join the LP radicals mailing list at um, take back the LP dot info at take back the LP dot info and um, and uh, make your plans to come to st. Louis we've got um, one of our uh, more prominent radical members Tom Knapp uh, who's actually going to be at Liberty Forum, um, is, uh, has been um, collecting uh, information about traveling on the cheap. So for people who don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a fancy hotel room and, you know, fly in first class the whole way, um, Tom has done a lot of great research to, uh, to make getting to the convention a lot more affordable. So it's going to be like a, like, a, like a mini pork fest out there in the hotel parking lot. You're just going to have tents everywhere. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe get bunk beds in the in the hotel rooms. You can put ten people in in a, in a hotel room. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's actually there's a hostel nearby, and I've heard it's kind of scary. But um, but you know, if there's enough people at the hostel, it's suddenly not scary anymore. What's what's scary about yeah, hostels is that you just don't know every anybody there when you go in. Right. But right. if you go in with a dozen huh. people, that changes everything. And then it's a party. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just you know, bring a pair of clean sheets, and uh, you know, <laughs> that's cool. All right, brother. Um, thanks very much. That's uh, take back the LP dot info. That's right. 
Thanks, Maury. Thanks a bunch, Mark. Yes, sir. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.